baby. We back with a bang. It's the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast with the Brian Campbell. And it's coming in hot and heavy. Mixed martial arts. All killer, no filler. And backed, of course, 100% by the untraceable, unmistakable performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell. Yes, the voice that you hear. We told you it's the new era in MMA podcasting inside the SOC. No more nonsense. No more ridiculousness. No more dick pills. No more dick pills. Okay. All right. And we are back, as I mentioned, with a bang. BC, Brando Wise, number 65, and the future Hall of Famer coming this July 5th, Sugar Rashad Evans in the house. Brohams, how is it? It's going good. It's going good. I'm feeling good. Just came back from Chicago, seeing the kids for uh, Father's Day. So, oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, coming back for them. For How the old love. are the kids here? Where Where are you at in this development? Well, I have four, and one is uh, 19, going on 20. She just moved out, and I have a 12 year old, and a 10 year old, and a four year old. Wow, I'm you... his three year old, three year old. He's three. So he always says four. <laughs> you survived the teenage years as a parent a parent of a female and you're a pro yeah. fighter did you ever have to put an mf or in a in a uh, rear naked just to just to put some sense into it nah i never have you know uh, my, my daughter is always you know pretty good about the guys that she dates you know she never dates uh, any really bad guys and besides she's really tough and intimidating so uh <laughs> she handles her own problems uh pretty well or so so there was never a bad boys 2 moment where you're at the door like I, mike lowry <laughs> Nah, you know what? I always wanted that moment. I'm sure it will happen one day, but I just I just haven't had that that moment yet. Yeah. I'm sure there's gonna come a time where I'm gonna have to uh, swell up on, on on one of my daughter's <laughs> significant others. Because there's some guys out there that are looking to swell up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you could be picking up, you could pick up the phone and eavesdrop and hear this. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I mean, you know, you got to keep your kids away from Jake Hager. That's where I'm going with that. All right, we're back. We're back, baby. What a time to be alive. What a time to do this podcast. We're going to recap all things Bellator 222 today. Look ahead to the weekend. We got a little UFC in Greenville, a little Bellator action. Hey, maybe a little bare knuckle bonanza down there in South Florida with Paulie Malinaji and the GOAT. Be wise. You, You still in camp? You still getting ready for me? I am, man. I was at the gym all week last week. Did not go yesterday. I'm hurting right now. Had a little bit, you know, too much fun with uh, Father's Day. Had a, a few too many, maybe. Uh, so you're falling right into my plans, wise. <laughs> but you know, right what, you know what he's doing right now? You know what he's doing. You're falling right for it. He's just telling you that, oh, I'm not doing much. I just kind of had a bad. So you can just fall, fall even further back. <laughs> When I flip that switch, all right? When I flip that switch. It's just a constant game of, hey, we're not actually training. We're not actually training. And then BC is going to come in one day and say, oh, I was actually getting my uh, steroid injection. (laughs) I'm not afraid to do that. I'm going to ultimately make you do what I want in the ring. And you will skip to my loop. That's what I'm talking about, all right? That's the great Rashad Evans once said. That's how I get down, all right? All right, we back. I back. Trust me, back. I bet. All right, Are all you right. Back on the river, that's, Anderson, that's Anderson right there, right? That yeah. is my guy, Andy Silva. There, the spider. Oh, also, I don't want to bury the lead. Not only do we have a great show, looking back, looking ahead, we've got. You want to talk about a rare interview, Brandon Wise? You and I live from ATT with the realest MFer in the UFC today, <laughs> the great Jorge Masvidal, talking to us about UFC 239, talking to us about Ben Askren. And correct me if I'm wrong, Brando, Sky Jorge, George. Not doing interviews this training camp, yet doing an interview with us. He did not. He said, you need to thank the great Dan Lambert for getting us that interview. So 
Thank you, Dan. Thank you. But that's huge, though. That's huge. Uh, listen, listen. The fact that he's not doing interviews is is very impressive because what happens a lot when you're like Masvidal and you give those sound bites, everybody wants those interviews. Everybody wants that quote. Everybody wants that sound bite. So he's got probably a lot of requests, and the fact that he's not taking them is showing that he's just really focusing and he's going to go and do his thing. I love it. Uh, you know who else is going to do his thing? Our sound editor, getting rid of all of those Fs. So Mikey Mormile, our producer, <laughs> who's not with us, with us in spirit, he's actually right now editing out all of the swears that you're about to hear on there because that guy brings it from the backyard to our podcast, the great Jorge Masvidal. Now, Rashad, you mentioned that. I'm always interested because I'm a media guy, boxing, MMA, pro wrestling. I'm the one bothering you guys, you know, in yeah. camp, fight week. How much is that in the end? Part of the job or a hassle? You're cutting weight. You're focusing. You're preparing for war. And some weekend warrior like myself is like trying to get into your psyche over the phone. Yeah, it's part of the job. And, you know, it, it comes with the territory. But at the same time, it does drain you because you get tired of saying the same things over and over again. You get tired of, you know, people posing questions that you never even thought of. And now they're put into your mind because they want to ask you a silly question. You know what I'm saying? And then now you have a doubt that you may not have before just because somebody posed a question like, man, what if that does happen? You know, and that can be a difficult part. But if you got a strong mind, you just be like, you know what? It is what it is. I'll show them. But uh, it's a you you have to play the game. But at the same time, it's a game that you you get drained from doing. Yeah, I I could imagine that. I could imagine it's the same question over and over and over again. Well, I mean, mean, think about this. Like, think about the difference between – uh, Conor McGregor's performance when he didn't have to cut the extra weight and then he fought Diaz to when he when he when he when he um to, to the next fight you know what I'm saying see because he he learned to make that adjustment because when he didn't have to cut so much weight he was amping it up with the interviews talking more trash giving more interviews and just draining more energy from himself and then the second fight he's like you know what I'm not gonna do so much and he kind of cut back a little bit towards the end of the fight. Indeed, indeed. Uh, why is you cutting weight for our fight? You get down to our contracted uh, listen, catch weight of two uh, twenty five or what? Listen, he wanted to cut me down to two hundred five or two hundred. Well, when you're on the A side, you have the privileges in this matchup. I'm six you know? five. I want to get to two hundred five. That's like a goal one day, but not like now. How much <laughs> you weigh right now? Well, after yesterday, it's a little bit more, but I'm between two thirty five and two forty. Oh yeah, you're not seeing no two hundred five. No, no. If I get my diet right. If I stop eating bad, <laughs> I don't want to see you at 205, man. You you look too skinny at 205. See, you're not the first person to tell me that either. And that's like where I'm kind of like, why would I really look that weird and lanky yeah, you, at 205? You, you look good right now. You look, you look, healthy. You. you look healthy right now. Thank wow, you. Wow. 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 wow, wow, wow yeah. Wow. I mean, seriously, you hear that? You hear what Rampage I'm just the said? Village, <laughs> baby. All right. Uh, yeah, this is my kind of show. All right. Hey, before we get into the meat of the show, let's pause for a break and hear from our friends and sponsors. And we're back. All right, let's break things down from a wild weekend in the world of MMA. Hey, shout out to the folks at Bellator. Scott Coker, they do their thing tentpole style, right? Tentpole, is that what Coker calls it? Every four or five times a year, quarterly. They put together a card that we really care about. This Saturday, or Friday, I'm sorry, from MSG, from the damn Apple. I was entertained. Why is you? I really liked it. I mean, we watched some really weird prelim fights together <laughs> with... uh <laughs> A Hooters waitress putting on a better performance than yes. we thought she would. Yes. Shout and out then to uh, Dash. our yes. boy, our boy Aaron Pico getting sent back to hell again. He might have to become the, the demon of some sort because he keeps going back there. 
Yeah, he bought a timeshare uh, in, in the South. Yeah, there, uh, there's no doubt. Uh, look, it's something for everybody. Be- Bellator does always t- tend to succeed, give you a little ridiculous, give you a little little bit of everything here. But uh, we had big names. We had, we had title fights. We It was a success. Now, as you so nicely mentioned on Slack, that's the last time we have to care about them for a, few, for a while. I mean, they got, a, they got a card this weekend with a title fight, but that's the last big one for a while. But uh, they filled the garden with the kind of with the kind of ish I'm into. And I want to not bury the lead. It wasn't the main event, but the, I think the main event storyline coming out of here was we love some Chael Sonnen. And he said goodbye. Leona Machida disposing him. Second round TKO, flying knee, put him down, punches, put him away. And Chael, at the end of his five-fight deal with Bellator, says goodbye, puts the gloves down in the cage, got a little teary-eyed in the press conference afterwards because he talked about making that promise to his late father that he would keep fighting until he won a world title. It didn't happen. Chael's got a complicated legacy, but man, I love me some Chael Sonnen. I'm standing here to cl- to clap and say, well done. That was a career. It was wild and wacky, but that was a career I thoroughly enjoyed. And I think his impact on the sport was much bigger than the things he accomplished inside that cage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, having faced Chael and worked alongside with him uh, many times, uh, you know, Chael is... is one of the most interesting characters that I know, you know, uh, witty, um, super smart, uh, j- just just one of those good guys, you know, inside the, you know, outside the cage, and, and uh, you know that's that's rare, you know. Sometimes you don't you see guys that are just, you know, not 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 too good outside the cage, but he's one of those guys that you 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 want to know. And uh, you know when you when you're talking about his legacy and what he's brought to the game, you know, you just have to, you know. He's the one who he's the original trash talker. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, listen, Tito Ortiz did his thing back in the day, but when you're talking about like I, Chael, just took it to the next level, and now everybody after that has taken a page out of Chael's book. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I mean, even with Conor McGregor, you know, you see flashes of Ali and all these guys, but at the end of the day, the basis is Chael. Yes. You know, Chael, Chael's Chael's lines, his one liners. Oh my goodness, they they were some of the funniest <laughs> things that, that you've ever heard. And and it's just and and it was just so brilliant because Chael had has a, a way of, of of putting together concepts that you never thought about. And and then when he puts those zingers together, it's you know, it's witty and it's funny and you just enjoy it. But uh, you know, inside the cage he, he was a competitor. You know, he's one of those guys who went straight at you and, and even when I fought him, I'm like, you know, uh I, I didn't expect Chael to be able to uh, to be you know, hit as hard as he did, you know, but Chael, Chael had some hands too. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be, he's going to be missed, man. He's going to be missed. You know, I've seen some great takes on him. I think it was, uh, I don't want to give the wrong person credit. Maybe Chuck Mindenhall, who used to write for the ringer now writes for the athletic that said, you know, his greatest, uh, meaning Chael Sonnen, his greatest victory may have been making Anderson Silva a pay-per-view brand, like really like putting him over so much as being the right. perfect foil, the perfect B-side, the perfect villain. I think you nailed it on the part that there's no Conor McGregor without Chael Sonnen. I mean, he really, really laid out that blueprint and his legacy is certainly complicated. I mean, he's got 17 losses. He's been, you know, if you read Kevin Ioli's Yahoo column this past week, which was a negative one saying, look, two-time drug cheat. So like that's sort of the, the, the cloud he put over him to me. I think you just got to give the, the big credit for Chael for two things. Was always willing to fight anybody at any time. And I respect that out of somebody. Even in the modern era, as fighters seem to fight more for their rights. You know, we, we saw John Jones not want to fight Chael on last minute that time when Dan Henderson got injured. We're seeing more of that. Chael's the opposite old school. I'll fight anybody. I'll fight Fedor at heavyweight. I'll take on Jones at last minute. I'll do anything. I respect that. And then number two, 
just being an ambassador for the sport. The guy was insanely entertaining. I w- used to work at ESPN. They used to do those chats with the fans. I once moderated a Chael Sonnen chat ahead of that John Jones fight. I was blown away at how witty he was. Every single fan question, he had an instant hilarious put down for that person. It yeah. was no act. That's who he was. That's who he is, yeah. Brandon, what about inside the cage, though? We get tough on people's resumes sometimes when we start saying, is this guy a Hall of Famer or not? Chael the character, a Hall of Famer. How much do you respect what Chael the fighter accomplished, though? Uh, see, this is one that's really tough to pick out because if you're looking at his resume, what's his best win? You know, And that's what we have to look at if you're talking about like a Hall of Fame-type career. Or if he's just like a great ambassador to the sport. Like Prime so my, Bisping, right? Prime Bisping, the best win of his career? I mean, is it Bisping? Yeah, I mean Bisping. Or is it uh, Shogun in 2013? I mean... That's not a bad one. I mean, he beat Nate Marquardt at a time when that still seriously meant something. Yeah. Yushin Okami? I mean, never got over that hump. Never won a major world title. Lost all the biggest fights he was a part of. It, it's part of what we talked about two weeks ago when Alexander Gustafson laid his gloves down and we said... What's his best win? Like Gustafson had a lot of really tough competition, but he lost against John Jones, Daniel Cormier, and Anthony Johnson. Chael Sonnen's kind of similar. Every time he stepped up in competition, he suffered a pretty bad loss. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, on a competitive side, you know, uh, I understand people. Uh, he he didn't compete as well as, as people, you know, didn't I guess get the accolades of being Hall of Fame worthy. Worthy, but at the end of the day. I would say his trash talking, what what his his overall game is Hall of Fame really because yes. you know everyone's taking a page out of his book. You know, Kobe Covington sometimes almost embarrassingly so tries to be like <laughs> like Chael, and, and and it's everybody tries to, to to try to take the page of being that heel, but Chael played it so perfectly. You know, and um, you know as far as like um, you know people grabbing. A hold of his negativity with with the whole of you know the, his failed drug test and stuff like that. During that time when when he he failed, you know that was during the whole TRT era where 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 they allowed athletes to take a certain amount of testosterone. And some athletes, you know, it, it was it was a gray area where some athletes went over, some would get shots over, and a lot of athletes failed. A lot of athletes failed tests, and I'm not trying to excuse any of it because at the end of the day, you know. Uh, this is a performance sport and stuff like that is not allowed. But at that time, he was he was working within the parameters of of what was allowed. And I don't want to look past that part. And, and you know, people like Kevin Elliott can write this this sort of column saying, "Look, we love the guy. He's great, crack, practical joker. Great, great this, great that." When Anderson Silva walks into a room, you could hear a rat piss on cotton. I mean, I could I could listen to that stuff on a loop all day. The reason why I don't hold that stuff for shot against him as much as we do certain other athletes in any sport is that Chael did always own up to it. He was always right, like, right. he always was willing to put that L on his chest and be like, "Yep, I did it. Yep, like it happened. Here's why I did it." Yep, like, and I, there's some, inevitably, I think there's something you respect about that. At least I do. I do that same thing with all of the MLB heroes in baseball that we had in the 90s. The ones that straight up were like, yep, did it. I think we have respect for them. I think we come around quicker on them. It's the guys that forever hold out and we're like, I know you juiced, bro. I know you juiced. All right. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that's just, yeah, me yeah, personally. I hear that. I definitely hear that. I definitely hear a point of view. And I think, I think you're right about that. I think the fact that he owns it and the fact that he's always been like, you know, this is what it is. He made it no secret. You know, it, it took the whole mystery out of it. And I think you look at, he had that four year, three and a half years off after failed that drug test, got suspended, 
turned it into a retirement. But you look back at it now, his five fight run with Bellator. Yeah, he finishes two and three, but tell me if I'm crazy. I think that's one of the more important signings Bellator's made. He was a consistent main eventer for them and sort of, you know, carried on that line that they do well, which are these hashtag old guy fights to get people to care about it. I mean, I was pretty damn fired up at the Garden for Chael and Vanderlei finally seeing that. I was pretty damn fired up for Chael and Fedor. Like, kind of had a good run there. I mean, the loss to Tito to open the Bellator career, that was a little sad. But outside of that, man, yeah, I, I yeah, enjoyed was... it all. He yeah. brought he brought some authenticity to their to their brand because they were still kind of searching at that point, looking for somebody to elevate them to like, hey, take us seriously kind of thing. And I think he kind of gave that to them when he decided, hey, I'm going to do this. And oh, yeah, I'm going to go to heavyweight and try to challenge <laughs> some of these big guys for the belt. I well, well I mean, ahead. I mean, I mean, j- just, you know, Chael brings entertainment, you know what I'm saying? And that and that's one thing that he's been able to do for Bellator and has been so wildly successful for him and he's they're still going to be able to get a lot of use out of chill because of the fact that he's just so entertaining you know so i think it was a great acquisition for them and he's a great broadcaster with espn you got to give him credit there the show he does with ariel the the, the analysis he brings to the mic is fantastic and i did want to go back to that fight against you though rashad because this is more Ooh. about rashad than it is okay. about chill but let's go back to ufc 167 november 16th 2013 las vegas Tell me if I'm wrong, Rashad. That was your last victory. You look like a million dollars that night. And no rampage. Get off my back. Hey, Rashad's nuts out your mouth. No, I'm just being real here. <laughs> you look like a million dollars that night. I thought you were retooling for a title run, and we know what happened next. Injury. You end up missing almost two full years. I'm right, right? I mean, yeah, that was... absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was um, I was actually at my peak, man. And... and um. I was I was actually having the best camp of my life uh, for the DC fight, and it was just you know two weeks out, and it was just uh, the last. It was actually the last live go, and and I end up tearing it. Ugh. I mean, unbelievable. You, you had beaten Hendo split decision. You come back, you stop Chael. I thought you had one more run in you, but you know. Yeah, You're still in the Hall yeah. of Fame, okay? You're still in my Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, Chael would make big mistakes, though, in big fights. I think that was kind of a, a hard thing. It's like the you'll remember him most for the submission loss to Silva, but he sort of made a kind of a buffoon mistake against John Jones to set him up to probably an, an, an inevitable stoppage anyway. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is what it was right there. Uh, well, did you like the stoppage win, though, from Machida? 4-0 in his last four, unbeaten now with Bellator. 41 years old, but it looks like at least under the structure of Bellator, I think he's a title contender, maybe in two different divisions. Well, that's what that's what um, Chael said after was that if he won that fight, Coker basically told him he was going to get a title shot against Bader at 205. So to me, that means that Machida is probably the number one contender now for Bader's 205 belt, even though they're talking about him facing uh, Czech Congo at heavyweight first and then moving back down to 205. I thought he looked great. I mean, for as much as we make fun of Bellator for being the South Florida of MMA, he looked good. He looked quick and he looked powerful. Like, Chael doesn't go out quickly and he just kept landing those head kicks and knees to to his face that Chael just couldn't take it anymore. So I thought he looked fantastic. He looked in great shape. And I think he might be a problem for Ryan Bader if they do actually make that fight happen. Yeah, you know, when I look at guys when they get old, you know, it's always the legs. The legs are the first to go. And you can tell when a guy is getting old just by the way they, they move around on their feet. And you see Machida, he still has those 
lightning fast reflexes. He still moves amazingly well laterally and everything else like that. And his reaction time is, is really, is really, really good. So, you know, he, um, you know, he's, he's been, his body is holding up really well. And I, I knew he was going to do that. Like, like, I, like when I, like when he fights a wrestler, his strategy comes out and he lands those hard kicks right away and it puts the wrestler on, you know, on like, oh my God, I gotta go. You know, he has to hurry up and rush it. And then they end up rushing a technique and then you get caught with a knee like Chael got caught twice. So, uh, you know, it's vintage, vintage, uh, Machida, but at the same time, uh, he's still bringing something new. I wonder, does he have a better shot, you think, at trying to make that hard cut once again to middleweight to try to make a run at Musashi's title? Or is it a better style matchup for him to face Bader? I think Bader's a better matchup for him just because of the fact that he does have that win over Bader. And, uh, it was, it was fairly traumatic for Bader, Bader too. And, and listen, listen, I know Bader's a, he, Bader's so much better now, so much better now, but there is something to be said about someone who gives you that kind of trauma. I mean, it, it somebody knocks you out is going to play in your mind. I don't care if you run off 15 in a row, you can be like, dang, he did catch me with that one shot. It, it's in your mind. It's seared in your mind. So, you know, you have to wonder how that will play out in a rematch. I also don't think that Machida can make 185 anymore. I mean, no, he no. Did, he looked like a guy who was very happy to be at 205, and he, I just don't – I can't see the muscle definition getting cut that much again, cutting another 20 pounds off. He looked, he just looked healthy, like you said earlier. He looked healthy on on Friday night. And and, then, and here's the thing, like, like I was saying, you know, when, when, when athletes cut this much weight and he cuts 185, you know, he may make it. But his brain is not going to be able to take any shots because yeah. there's no water in there to to, uh, to, to absorb the shock of the yep. blow. Now, Rashad, uh, we we ask the hard questions on this podcast. We put people in uncomfortable situations All right. and make them swim. Um, let's say, you know, you're recording this podcast and you see you look down, your phone lights up and it's Scott Coker. And he says, hey, Rashad, I know you're all going to the Hall of Fame and all that. So good luck with that. But uh you ever think about running that back against Leota Machida? I can make that happen, bro. Would I run it back? Oh, I don't know. Here's the thing about it. <laughs> I, I I feel very competitive still. Like, I want to compete. Mm-hmm. But I haven't trained in so long. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? I haven't, I haven't done it so long. If I had some time to, to train, if, I, like, if he gave me some time to get ready, I'll do it. Just for fun, because oh, wow. I feel like I still physically can. Do you have a? And it, it could be the Machida loss. It could be any of your pro defeats. Do you? Is there one that eats at you the most? Where it's like, like, look, we're all competitors. I could give you some stupid youth basketball story about my junior in high school in the rec league semifinals when we lost to this team, and I cried my eyes out in the locker room when Rainbow Engraving beat us, and it still burns at me today. It's still real to me, damn it, Rashad. That's a yeah. dirtbag high school rec basketball game. This is pro fighting. Are there losses that burn at you where sometimes you look at your own watch and go, not too old yet. I can still run this back. Yeah, I, I my last three just burns the hell out of me. It, it burns me. It does burn me. And, and um, But at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe that's just part of it. That That's just what I have to just endure. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we don't always get what we want. You know, sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. And we just got to be okay to just keep on moving if we don't. You know, but uh, I'll be lying to sit here and say that I still don't go into the gym sometimes and grab a hold of one of them dudes and be like, let me see if I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Luke Rockhold, he's doing he's doing his uh, 
his round robin with guys rotating in on him. I make sure I get in there a little bit when he gets dead tired. <laughs> but you don't want to have like a like a you don't want to wait too long. You don't want to be disaware of your surroundings and end up in a Liddell Ortiz three situation on Golden Boy MMA and and, and everyone's laughing at you. Is that part of no, it too in your mind? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be one of those guys for sure. Um, you know, if if I was ever to compete again, I would make sure that I'm physically capable of doing it. Like I'll make sure that. First of all, I make sure I really want to do it because I, I feel like my last few fights, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't have a burning desire. I didn't have a hunger to fight. There's got to be a hunger to fight. You got to be like, you, you, you got to be, you got to be really, really hungry to want to fight because the training and everything else and that you have to endure in those interviews that we we're talking about earlier, yeah. they take it out of you. The politics of it, just everything about the, 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 the game of it, it takes it out of you. So you got to really want to be there. Uh, Brandon, let's break into this uh, main event, which turned out to be a very strong performance from Rory McDonald, defending the welterweight title unanimous decision over unbeaten Neiman Gracie, advancing to the finals of this tournament that I love, man, this welterweight Grand Prix. You want to talk about when you look at the bracket ahead of time, if you tell yourself you're getting a final of Rory McDonald and Douglas Lima on a rematch of their spectacular five-round title bout just a year and a half ago, you got to be happy if you're Bellator. But I think even above defending the title, even above the bracket here, I'm happy for Rory McDonald, the person, the fighter, that he took all those headlines that we talked about last week, sort of put him in the rear view. I know Neiman Gracie's not this giant knockout artist, but still, he seemed back to being the fighter he needed to be. Maybe not prime Red King, maybe not coming in there to do things like this. I guarantee you, I will take that belt from you, and I will take your health. He kept Neiman Gracie's health within Neiman Gracie, but I was happy with his performance. He looked good, man. Like, that's the best you can say is, like, he looked the way he was supposed to look. And when you say, when you looked at this tournament, you're like, all right, this is the kind of matchup you want to see. Well, this is the fight they should have done anyway. Because that fight that they had a year and a half ago was great. It was physically taxing. And they should have run a rematch back immediately. But to get it now, after you've already seen eight other or six other guys compete and try to have their chance at it, I, I'm, I couldn't have asked for a better result here. Because Rory needs to have this fight against Douglas Lima because we've talked about this on the show before. We think Douglas Lima would be top five, maybe top three at welterweight right now in the UFC. We think he could be an elite athlete at the at that level in UFC and compete with the Kamaru's, compete with the Colby's, compete with the Darren Tills, all those guys. Like, I want to see what this looks like when they have a rematch because Douglas had the time to get himself back together, deliver a devastating knockout against MVP. And now he's going to get Rory McDonald, who seems to have figured out whatever was bothering him before that John Fitch fight. Yeah, you know, I, I was really impressed with Rory because I understand how hard it is to go out there and compete after having those, those mental blockages. And, and um, I think the fact that he was able to come out of that, you know, has to do with the fact he was just so honest about it. And, and as long as he was, was being honest about it. That's kind of that's, that's very therapeutic. You know, once you hear yourself say what's going on, it kind of helps you face and address it. The problem comes when you just are in denial about what you're feeling and you're trying to compensate and make other you know excuses for it instead of facing what's really going on. But, you know, he's facing it. It sounds like he's getting the uh, the help that he needs. And but what, what, what I what I see, though, is, is like a, a growing number of fighters are coming forward talking about the, the mental hurdles that come with competing. And I, and I think that's something 
you know, that, that should be addressed yes. by, 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 by these organizations. Because at the end of the day, you know, the, these athletes, you know, they are the asset to the company and their mental health is just important as their, their physical health, you know? Um, and if these athletes are, are going out there and they, they're not feeling well, then they're not going to compete well and bring any money to the organization anyway. So I think it's really good if, if these organizations got, you know, um, a sports coach, some, somebody to help out these athletes when they go on a road, somebody, you know, who, who's there in a hotel, you know, the athletes can call up to be like, yo, listen, I'm having a little bit of anxiety. Can, can we talk? Is there an exercise that we can do? I'm with that. I thought it was refreshing when Rose Namajunas was very honest after that loss to Andrade as well, immediately saying, maybe I, you know, maybe I don't want to do this again. And subsequently she's, you know, turned that back around. And it's going to take some time out. Um, I was most impressed. Now, look, Rory looked good in the stand up. He kept distance well. His counter right hand was great. But guys, that submission defense was sick all night. I mean, he's in there against a world class grappler. And Rory ended up in five or six near compromising situations that many other fighters would have crumbled in. And I didn't see any panic at any time. And he just sort of took his time, got his way out of it. Did you think it was a little too close to comfort or is that just sort of who Rory is? Never been submitted, can can kind of swim in that deep water and not have to worry. I think that's who he is, man. Like when he rolled out of that heel hook and was able to spin out, get back to his feet somehow, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like. That's where a Gracie does not lose. <laughs> a Gracie finishes that fight every time with those submissions. I think Rory is just on another level when it comes to his defense and his escapability because, like I said, nobody gets out of those kind of holds. Let, let's just say this. If what, Rory, if what Rory did on the ground was displayed on the feet, this would be a much different conversation. We'll be talking about how dominant the performance was and, and how much you know he, he's looking – uh, to go out there and, and take out Lima, you know, because what he's able to do and survive on the ground, and not even survive, just be able to, you know, engage and be comfortable on the ground with, with someone like Neiman Gracie on the ground it, it is remarkable. You know, it shows that, you know, he, he's showing true mastery, true mastery of just his, his overall game and his comfortability of just being in a situation with another true master on the ground. What's that like, though, Rashad, when, when somebody applies a, a submission hold on you decently deep? I mean, you're tired already. You're in the middle of a fight. How do you calm yourself in those moments? You, you, that, that's, that's what you have to always remember. The fact that whenever you panic, that's when you do make the mistakes. Even if you, even if you're like inches from being, you know, like so close to being, uh, submitted, you just have to remain calm because the minute they feel your body flex, it gets everything. You know what I'm saying? They feel, they can tell when you're starting to panic. And when they start to panic, that's when they put the pressure on even more. Now, I didn't love one thing. And look, Neiman Grayson is a developing fighter, only has 10 pro fights. I didn't love his lack of urgency late. We're in a title fight. We're in rounds four and five. You've got to realize you're down on the cards, and especially round five, while he won that round because of his attempts on the ground, he had top position on Roy, wasn't even throwing punches. I get his style is to set up the submission, but at some point you got to go, look, there's, there's got to be urgency. I'm, I'm, I'm down four rounds to zero here. If I'm not going to finish this fight, I, I mean, like, is, is he inevitably a, one-dimensional specialist or uh, did you have any concerns there that, that there's not a well-rounded side to him well, well here, here's the reality a lot of fighters do not work the ground to pound it, it's the weirdest thing like there's some like when, when i was with greg jackson and, and stuff like that we would do rounds and rounds of doing nothing but ground and pound techniques and and sometimes we do whole practices where it was nothing but just ground and pound execution pinning the guy up and just making sure that you got 
every single thing you can out of the guy being in a down position. Our philosophy was if we get a guy down to the ground, when he gets back up to his feet, he's going to be changed. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be changed for the worse. And, and that's what we always strive to do. So um, when you see some of these guys get on top and they're just kind of like, you know, like not really land those big shots. A lot of them don't really know the proper technique to land those big, meaningful shots that make throwing punches on top worth it. No, no doubt about it. Brando, when you look ahead to this uh, rematch, we don't know the date yet, but I think, you know, Lima McDonald's going to be one of the better fights Bellator can make. Lima's stock rising since that loss to Rory, in which I thought he fi- he lost the fight, but I thought he figured Rory out. I thought he sort of took, a you know, almost a moral victory in there, lo- lost the war, maybe won a battle. You got to make him the favorite, though. I mean, Rory stopped going a little bit down from that point, resurrected it a certain degree on Saturday. But how does Rory win this rematch? I think Rashad said it best, though, when if we would have seen Rory look like that standing up against the like defending well against the fence, like while avoiding strikes, we would be talking about Rory being the favorite. I think we would be talking about it like that. But because of what we've seen so far and the way that we've seen Douglas rebuild himself since the loss with beating Andre Koreshkov violently and then beating MVP the way that he did, he has to be the favorite just because you've seen how violent and how dynamic he can be with his striking. So to me, I think Rory's going to have to take this fight to the ground. He's going to have to stay calm. He's going to have to stay calm under pressure as he gets probably hit with some ground and pound. But I just think he's going to have to outpoint him because I don't know if he has finishing power still against somebody like Douglas, who's got a really tough chin. This is going to be a tough fight for Rory because this is going to go to one of those fights where he's going to have to mentally dig deep because this is one of those fights that gave him a lot of mental scarring. And, and, and you can tell because uh, after his performance from Lima, it, his, his performance got a little bit lower. And, and that's when his mental problems seem to have started. So that performance, that, that, that fight right there, it changed him. And no doubt about it, he knows in his mind the kind of fight that he's in for. And does he mentally have it? You know, it's going to be another question that he's going to have to answer, but it's going to be something that he's going to have to start working on right now. Yeah, get ready to defend those leg kicks from hell because Doug Lima can bring it Aldo style. Ouch, man. That's the thing, Rashad. When when you're a non-fighter and you're watching this from the outside looking in, the the thing I would want to endure the least in the MMA game is those hard-ass kicks, man. Oh, there's – listen, I can take a – thigh leg kick but one of the lower ones to like the, the lower calf that will that will sit you down instantly oh good god um let's have the dylan danis conversation all right let's put the line to. in the sand and declare as of today you and your house you know who do you serve here i'm pro dylan danis he's an attraction he's a celebrity fighter he's got really good skills in that one category i don't know i don't think he's a world beater hopefully we find that out but i love in what coker and company are doing they're presenting him as a star they're making people like brandon wise hate him hated it brando i was fully entertained yeah he's fighting a max humphrey probably not going to hear max humphrey's name again on this level <laughs> tell me you weren't entertained brother come on i wasn't i don't find him entertaining this Okay, so this goes back to my love for Johnny Walker, the new star in UFC who, at 205. He can't stand him. He's a clown. He thinks, right. he thinks he's a clown and that he's going to get knocked. You think not- Johnny Walker's a clown? Look, he's talented as heck, but the guy's uh, a clown, all right? He just doesn't like his flashiness and like showing up people after the fight and stuff. But I don't think Dylan Dennis is great. That's the problem. And it's 
if you want to make him great, challenge him. I actually saw this in Ariel's piece this morning that he thinks that there's a funny bit of uh, uh, there's just like a funny bit that everybody's like, oh, Aaron Pico needs to stop fighting against these tougher guys and, and they need to build him into the star that they want where – the other side is Dylan Danis is fighting all these jobbers, as you would say. Okay, but he's two and zero, oh, Brandon. I mean, gotta get. I mean, I, would I like him more active? Yes, but the guy's two and zero. Oh. Come on. He also apparently tore his LCL in training camp the week before this fight, so maybe that has something to do with how he looked on Saturday or on Friday. But I'm just not entertained with him. Like, if you want to do sparring matches and 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 wrestling and submission stuff, that's great for you, but. This is a fight, and you don't want you don't seem interested at all in standing and banging, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he's you got to take it for what it is, you know. As far as uh, being the best fighter, probably not, but just being a great entertainer, being something funny, being something that you know that they can Bellator can use. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. You know, put put him over, make him make it make him one of those guys to to watch. You know, he's he's uh he's riding off the the coattails of of uh connor a bit and uh he, he's going beyond on his own you know he, he's even you know doing his own little shtick and making his own thing unique but at the, the same time it's uh you know you know he, he's he's not facing any real competition and he's not as good as connor that's my problem connor can talk and he can fight i don't think dennis can fight well i guess the difference is i don't take him seriously he's like a like i i've been saying that like, give him the kimbo slice booking Make his his bouts feel like they're they're this entertainment thing, but we all know underneath he's not fighting killers. Don't rush him in there and fight somebody who's going to fold him up. And by the way, against an elite welterweight right now, yeah, he probably gets folded up even in that even his pro debut. Not moving his head, getting tagged with, with shots that he shouldn't have. But him on the mic, he does it pretty well, man. He does it pretty well. He gets under your skin, I know. But calling out John Jones, calling out Rory, always acting like without ever, always, he never acts like, it, see, he acts so serious in his trash talk. It's never like, oh, yeah, I'm just like fooling around. Like, he makes yeah, you yeah. think like he believes it. And there's something in that that, uh, I don't know, maybe I just love the fact that I know he's got that one skill that's like world level elite. And in this day and age, there's not, a, there's not many specialists. Everyone's a mixed martial artist. Everyone has to, by the way, for survival, get their game up to par in all categories. Here's a guy that can do that one thing really well. Can you beat uh, that one thing against him? I think that's a fun narrative to watch as he does start to climb the ladder. I, I, I can, I can see that. And I, and I agree with that. Uh, 100%. I think he's going to be somebody fun to watch. Um, you know, ho- hopefully they, they develop him a little bit more and hopefully he doesn't uh, face any real, real competition. <laughs> Brandon, do you like when Scott Coker tweets out my business partner, Dylan Dennis? What is that about either? I, I saw that, but I didn't know what he was referencing. I think they're just, you know, Scott Coker gets it. Does Dennis have a, a stake in Bellator? No, no. Come on, come on, come on. CBD maybe? <laughs> something there something there all right all right uh hey big win for patrick mix there i didn't know a lot about him coming in gets the first round submission over ricky bendejas pretty darn impressive there and holy crap juan archuleta sent former champion eduardo Dantes to the deep dark depths with that second round knockout good lord guys that was violent and kind of unexpected just because of the way that he was backing up against the cage and then all of a sudden he just comes over the top with a spin and a hook <sighs> The way that Dantes' head bounced off the canvas was scary. 
that's as violent as a KO as I've seen in a while from that from that standpoint. I mean, that's always the worst part of it when you see the we love fall. Look, we love knockouts. We love fallen bodies. We love sort of face first ones. But when you get that back of the head bouncing off like a basketball with that kind of thud, ah, gosh. it was it was it was a devastating shot, and, and the timing of it was perfect. I mean, the, the reaction time was whap, split second, and that overhand right just came and just I mean. That that was a clean, clean shot, and and it, you know you see somebody hit the ground like that, you just like okay, you're you're hoping that the cushion underneath the 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 mat is is as soft because that's where all the damage is. When you have that that head slap, you know, going against the ground, that's when you get the contra coup. That's when you're that's what I have. That's I know that because that's what happened to me before. You hit your head in the back, and then it forms like a suction cup on the front of your head, you know, and it. Causes a bruise, but that, that's what happens. Oh, no, thank you. That's no, eighteen. No, thank you. That's eighteen wins in a row for Juan Archuleta. Um, maybe not most amount of depth in Bellator, although I like what they got going on at featherweight. There's talks of of that big tournament. Is is Archuleta for real now? I think so. I think he would be a, if they actually do go through with doing this tournament. He's somebody to keep an eye on because, like you said, like twenty. Would you say twenty in a row 18 or eighteen in a row? I mean, and they've all been in a row, 18 in a row. You got to say somebody <laughs> serious 18 wins in a row. It's the same with Jimmy Rivera when he came over to UFC, too. He was at like 16 or 17 in a row. And then we know what happened after that. But yeah, you need to take him seriously now. I think right, that's so. the kind of that's the kind of win on that stage where somebody's going to notice you. Yeah. And it's against the right name, right card, right building, all that good stuff. And look, Kyoji Horaguchi, Darian Caldwell. For the Bellator Bantamweight title. Fun little fight here, guys. Go it goes the five rounds. Unanimous decision for Horaguchi gets back to back wins against Caldwell, winning the inaugural Risen Bantam title in December on New Year's Eve. Comes back, takes the belt from Caldwell. What I was most impressed with here was the judges didn't take no crap. Caldwell taking down Horaguchi almost at will, but not doing anything, putting his head in his lap. And just laying there, it was a little bit like Kenny Florian in BJ Penn's lap along the cage during their title fight. You gotta do, you gotta do something on the ground. Greg Jackson's probably watching that, talking about his ground and pound camp that, that Rashad's talking about. I didn't think the judges were gonna give him that, that sort of penalty. And in the end, I was kinda happy with it. They, I'm, I, first of all, the fact that the referee did not step in at any point to say, hey, Caldwell, do something. Get up or you're going to get up or you're going to do something because you can't just hold against the cage and not throw punches or try to advance position. That was the weirdest part. But the fact that Horiguchi got points for landing like that, like side head, side of the head strikes from that position against the cage and they gave him points for it. And the judges were like, you're doing more than than Caldwell. I'm so happy that we're kind of starting to see progress in scoring systems like that, because like BC said back in the day, you would lose on that. Just because you're not you you aren't being seen as doing anything, so I'm happy that the the judges and the judges scored it that way. But I would have also liked to have seen the ref been like, "Hey, like get up." <laughs> yeah, that, and you said it correctly right there. You know, it's a win for the judges, but it's a loss for the ref. You know, the ref has to control the tempo of the fight. He has to understand it. If it's getting jammed up and there's not action happening, then that's the game that the guy want to fight. Well, he has to not allow the guy to play that game plan. So he's like, you know what? I'm not going to let you stall, so I'm going to bring you back up to stop you from stalling. That's the referee's job. But uh, the the judges made made the right call. And uh, I, I give Horiguchi a lot of credit. Those first round and a half, maybe two rounds, 
I mean, that the size difference was a problem for him. I know the first fight was in a ring. This was in a cage. I thought Caldwell was fighting a perfect game plan those first two rounds. Horiguchi getting lit up a little bit. And then to turn that tide and control the fight the way he did, very impressive. Look, the great King Mo was on this show many times last year telling us the best Bantamweight fighter in the world is not in the UFC. He's in my ATT camp next to me. His name is Horiguchi. And I'm like, all right, guy, all right. You know, I'm not going to mess with you. We know who you are. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. All right with me, too. <laughs> King Mo vindicated here. Horiguchi looking great. He's a champ champ, a real champ champ. But, but you know what, though? Not, not for nothing, though. You got you to gotta think, you know, is Caldwell cutting too much weight? You know, because when you fade off like that, when you can't continue to have the same amount of pressure, you have to think, okay, what what he, what it would be like if he was able to make the cut and not be so big? I mean, how was his cut? Because when you fade off like that, that, that usually shows a sign of a bad cut. And that's what you were talking about with us last week was you wanted to see if his gas tank was going to be any better. And it looked good for three rounds. And then he hit a wall just immediately. And he was take he took Horiguchi down and then just held. So I think you're right that he's he's too big for the division. He needs to get to featherweight, and then we need to see what he can do. I'd love to see him against somebody like Juan Archuleta to see if he's got that power and that kind of that kind of wrestling ability at that level. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rashad, what's the difference between three and five round stamina? Is it a is it a mile? Is it a giant gap? Or is it just let me put it let me let me run a few more roads and and, and get fired up for that fight? It, it's 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 a lot it's a lot more road work. You know the road the road work. Um, it has to be so. What I would do to prepare for a five round fight is I would I would just do like a different run. So every single day I'll do a run. Sometimes it'd be for forty minutes. Sometimes it'd be for an hour and a half. But I would vary up the times where I ran, and then I would even vary up. You know, in that run, you know, I'll do sprints and then I'll do jogs and I'll mix up the tempo during that sprint. But I'll do whatever I can to kind of mimic what a fighter do. I have but, to do that ahead of, ahead of Campbell Wise. You better believe that, all right? All right? I know it's only a three-round fight, but I got to come in there with five-round stamina-wise, all right? Just, just a little heads up to you, okay? But you, but you know another big part of it too. It's, it's, it's actually mental. It really. I'm gonna be honest. Those, those last, those last two rounds are mental because usually when people are prepared for a five-round fight, they're usually in shape to go five rounds. But when they get to three, they start to panic and be like, "Oh man, I've never been this tired before." So then they started to go in conservation mode, thinking that, oh man, I'm, I'm going to get tired and be afraid to get, you know, afraid to get tired. So that that's what that's what normally happens. That's what I found out. It's like, you know what, the last two rounds are just are just mental. Yeah, no doubt. That's so much of the stand game is mental, man. Yeah, oh, man. Hey, uh, let's talk about Aaron Pico. But instead of talking about Aaron Pico and the loss that we'll get to, uh, hey Rashad Evans, you nailed it. You said don't sleep on this guy, Adam Borich. Yeah, you know what, guy? I, I try not to get all these picks right, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, th- this kid, this kid's amazing. You know, um, we call him the kid. Uh, he, he's he's one of those guys that's been at the gym for a while, and um, you know, I just watched him progress and get better and better. And uh, he's one of those kids that you, you have to kick out of the gym because no matter what time of day you go there, he's in there doing something. And he he's truly truly dedicated, and you just see it pay off. You know he he's um he's a special kind of talent, and it's exciting. It, it, it's really exciting and intriguing to see you know where his star can land. I mean that's a big big win for the featherweight, thirteen and zero now, unbeaten in, in 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 his Bellator run. Obviously gets the second round finish over Aaron Pico. But what you have to love about it, and then we'll get to the Pico side of it, and it is what it is. But 
Pico fought the right game plan. He dominated Boric on the ground with wrestling. He looked like he had whatever holes in the journey were fixed. He plugged the holes. Boric took a little punishment, fought through it, and then finishes him with a flying knee and punches. I think he showed you, if anything, Boric, that he's got sort of that that legitimate intangibles. He's got the backbone. He's got the focus there. I was very impressed with that, Brando. Is there practice that goes into somebody throwing a flying knee like that? Because to me, that was one of those situations where Pico's dominating with the ground game. All of a sudden, Boric is able to get to his feet. They separate. And then all of a sudden, he just throws the knee out of nowhere and it catches him flush on the chin. It's like, how do you get to that kind of precision with that strike? Yeah, he uh, they drill it. They drill it over and over again, you know, in, in, um, in training camp, always doing jump knees, always doing whatever. I mean, when you're facing a wrestler, that's that's what you have to always do. You have to always make them feel uh, fear anything up the middle. So whenever you're fighting somebody who can take you down, you always either got to show them a front kick or show them that you can do a knee. That's one thing that Machida is very good at to uh, to keep wrestlers at bay. And that's one reason why when I was fighting him, it, it gave me pause where I just couldn't rush in and take a shot because I was worried about what was coming up the middle. He stops Aaron Pico with that beautiful flying knee. And guys, this is a heartbreaking defeat for the, for the Uber prospect Pico because he fixed it. He wasn't wild on the feet. He wasn't a reckless slugger in love with his power. He went back to the basics in his first fight with Greg Jackson in his corner. He dominated on the ground and he looked aggressive in doing it tried to set up the ground and pound was relentless and then he gets caught so he's four and three now is this just wrong time for more bad luck or did you agree with josh thompson on the zone call saying afterwards you were too much slugging in your previous fights now you were almost too much wrestling and you really never properly disciplined boric on the feet yeah, yeah, and, and, that, and that's the thing about it. Having the perfect game to really implement uh, Pico style, the, it is a perfect mix of giving your opponent, his opponent, enough pause where his shots are effective and they're not easily countered with jump knees. Now, if he would have froze uh, Borch with, with a with a fake punch or any kind of any kind of anything upstairs, then it would have kept uh, Borch from even thinking he can even time a knee because he'll be defending whatever's coming. You know, you always have to disguise what you want to do. You know, you just don't throw you just don't throw naked kicks. That means kicks without no setup. You just don't throw naked takedowns in MMA. You just you just don't do it. That's how you get knocked out, throwing naked takedowns. And uh it, it's something that he's he's gonna have to learn. But um bad luck, you know, things happen in, in threes, you know, that, that's just how it is. Bad things just happen in threes and you just got to just, you just got to own it. You know, it, it's, it's I tough, think it, man. I mean, MMA, you it's can, so tough. It's so tough. I like about MMA is that you can take early losses in your career and it's a little bit different than boxing where, where the, the unbeaten record is loved and preserved and built up. And if you take a loss on the rise up in boxing as a prospect, people assume you don't have it when it could just be one bad night at the office. You could just get caught, whatever. MMA, you seem to be allowed a little bit more. It's expected that you're going to lose. There's more ways to lose a fight. You need to grow. And and look, Aaron Pico at 22 still has plenty of time to grow. But he was also labeled as the most promising prospect in MMA history for many correct reasons. He's now 4-3. and How much do we panic here? 
I mean, I, I, I don't think we panic at all. I think the fact that I, I think I, I like this for him. And let me tell you why. I would rather have a guy go through all of what he's going through right now than, than, than never having gone through this and then, you know, achieving highest things, uh, highest accolades and then finally having something, finally having that damaging loss. And, and, and I say, then I say, uh, uh, Ronda Rousey, you know, all due respect to Ronda, you know, she, she mowed through everybody. But then when she had that devastating loss at, at the top of her game, it made it really hard for her to come back because she didn't establish that grit of losing. You know what I'm saying? And, and mentally it became harder for her. So right now he's developing that grit of losing. And, he, and, and once he makes it past this, it's going to eliminate that fear of losing. So then he's properly he's going to be able to properly compete the way that he, he uh, he's projected to. Well, Robbie, why is the fine <laughs> in, the, in the WWE, Derek. Thank you very much. Um, we got a DM slide here on Twitter, actually, coming in. Our, our One of our most aggressive listeners to the boxing and the MMA show, at Quality Bloke on Twitter. He's going by the, the name Prime DeBella right now. He says, in the words of the great boxer Prince Nassim Hamed, and he's going to reference here a soundbite we play often on the boxing show. I know this sounds terrible. He says, in the great words of Prince Nassim Hamed, do you think Aaron Pico should finish, or do you think that's too harsh? No, I don't think he should finish. I, I just think that he just needs to, um, you know, just, I, I, honestly, I would just go back, not to the drawing board, but just kind of uh, just touch up on those things. You know, he, he go go back and look at the video. Uh, he, he did it really good fight he just made a few mistakes and the mistakes that he made it cost him you know you can't shoot naked takedowns you you have to you know um put your hands in, in front of your takedowns and then you know keep those guys with which greg jackson says because and this is greg jackson's philosophy keep your opponent on the horns of dilemma meaning the fact that they cannot make a right choice because when they're thinking that you're striking you're really wrestling and when they're thinking that you're wrestling you're really striking so there's always a dilemma that they can never win and Pico didn't do that. Well, Once he masters that, he'll be okay. You have to wonder how much he got stunted by his own success in amateur wrestling and boxing to get hailed that early, to sign a Bellator contract while still in high school. How much did that stunt his his growth, his maturity that would have naturally come to where he started to feel, I need to live up to being the best, brightest prospect. Because if I'm pointing fingers at one thing, and look, it's 2020 hindsight pointing fingers, but I think you got to question Bellator's matchmaking right now. This is an organization that doesn't have as much as the UFC does to live up to a certain level of matchmaking. UFC's model is always we put the best against the best. There's no soft matches. Oh, Brock Lesnar, you want to wrestle? You want to you want to fight on this side? You get Frank Mir in your debut. That's how it works. And Bellator, look, you can do Kimbo slice matchmaking, quote unquote. You can soften. You can give Dylan Dennis some schlubs so far for Aaron Pico. And I know some of this comes from Team Pico because they wanted to make a splash. They fought their pro debut against Zach Freeman against probably the wrong opponent at the wrong weight class. So what they do, they reset, get four highlight reel knockouts in a row. Then you move up considerably against Henry Corrales. You get stopped. He's not ready. That's fine. But you're coming right back, guys, against a guy Rashad telling us and Adam Boric, who's unbeaten, who's hungry, who can do some things. I maybe needed to see Aaron Pico against a Max Humphrey, somebody like Dylan Daniscott, somebody who's... Uh, am I wrong? You have that luxury to give Aaron Pico's confidence a chance to come out on TV and blow somebody away or wrestle them through the ground for three rounds and ground upon their ass. This seems like 
the type of aggressive matchmaking that a guy coming in at four and three who had a couple flat tires on his road to get here may be a little too aggressive. Maybe. I agree. I, here, here's, here's, here's why I agree with that, because um, Pico's a star. He, he's one of those guys you want to get behind because he has that following. You, you, you sign this guy because he's a prospect and, and you know, you, you did a, you know, a Kobe Bryant, LeBron James move. You know what I'm saying? You know, so you want to build that guy up. You don't want to put him through the, 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 the ringer and through the tough competition. But at the same time, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, no, no one, no one knew that that the Borks was going to do what he did. I mean, but at the same time, when you're an undefeated young prospect and you want to get another, un, you know, another prospect, it it is survival of the fittest at that point. So it, it's just I, sometimes I really don't know what they're doing at Bellator with the matchmaking. I'm just going to be honest. There's only so much you can do to protect a guy, too, right? Like at some point, he has to go out and perform. Now, I don't necessarily think he needs to get the Dylan Danish treatment of just throw somebody in there with him. He does need to step up in competition at some point. Like BC said, he had four straight highlight reel knockouts. That's great. But he also does need if you're going to have him be a superstar for you, he has to fight the best of the best in your organization. Yeah, but he has to do that in his his seven pro fights, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's 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 still he's still a baby in the game. You know, he's 22 years old. and, and, And here's the reality of the situation. He's the kind of guy that you that you want to build a fan base around. You know, he, he's a he's a, a good looking kid. He speaks well. You know, he, he has a good story behind him. Like that's the kind of guy that you, you want to, you know, bring all your new fans into. You want to get guys hooked on him. So give him some fights where he can go out there and shine and look like a, a million bucks. And then, you know, save all, all the tough guys, undefeated guys for him when when you feel he's truly, truly at that level. I remember. Two or three years ago, when you were in here talking about John Jones when he was going to fight Ovin St. Prue, that you said at the time that you thought it was going to ruin OSP, it's taking that giant step up in competition like that. Do you think something like that might have happened here with Pico when he fought Corrales and now he's fighting Boric? Um, you know, it it could have, it could have just because at the end of the day, you know, it that was so that was such a uh, you know it goes back to that thing, such a traumatizing thing for him, and and being that that prospect and being that guy up on a pedestal, you know, people treat you differently when, when you lose, you know what I'm saying? And if you're not used to losing that, <laughs> that'll take it out of you. That, that'll hurt you really bad. So, you know, I, I think a little bit, I think, you know, Pico's going through a little bit of that. He's going through uh, just, you know, having his elevator come down and, and now trying to see who's still on a, on an elevator with him, you know, and, and um, he's finding out the people that, that he thought, was on it with him or, or not with him, and uh, that's hurtful, you know. Yeah. But he'll he'll make it through this. He's gonna make it through this. Yeah, you just gotta tuck that chin. It's not open for debate. <laughs> the chin has to be tucked. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, wow, it's tough to see though. Tough to see. I want him to be that. I want that for Bellator. I want this. I want them to have that homegrown guy that they were day one ish on from the beginning. But look, you nailed it, Rashad. Be sober. There's still time. Hopefully he is the real mentally, meaning he has that real backbone that can withstand this and he'll be better for it in the long run. Hopefully he's not chinny. Hopefully this is just too, too, uh, too. I mean, look, there's the loss are a little bit random, you know I mean? Well, I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, in order to not get chinny, here's the thing about it. Like there's a lot of like, 
you get chinny after you don't do like rehab. If you get a concussion and you don't do the proper rehab for it afterwards, as far as like neck exercises and jaw exercises and things like that to uh, work with, with being able to take absorption to the shot. Because what happens is your body remembers it. Your body remembers when you got knocked out or got, got that knockout. So what, when you get caught again on the chin, it shuts down faster to protect you. And, and, and you have to kind of rewire those synapses so that doesn't happen. All right, I'm going to close on this Bellator 222 card by giving out an MVP award, okay? Not to Leota Machida. No, the, the Machida era is over. It's not coming back. To Larkin Dash, your favorite local Hooters waitress, who came in there in a showcase loss opportunity against rising prospect Valerie Laredo, 20-year-old, taekwondo master, good-looking, someone that Bellator flyweight can really prospect and, and promote. And Dash comes in as the damn girl who signed her fight contract in a Hooters while working there. She did a pre-fight podcast with MMA Junkie inside the Hooters while wearing the Hooters outfit. Um, We were expecting this to be an exhibition. Nobody told her this wasn't a damn exhibition, guys. I'm going to give this chick a lot of respect. I didn't have a lot of respect for her coming in. This was an undercard fight. In the end, nobody really cares. I care. She fought her ass off. She came out there. She had limited game compared to Laredo, who, despite being younger, is much more experienced than a master in what she does. And Dash was walking her down. Dash dropped her at the end of the third round. A little bit of a crude performance, but I need more Larkin Dash in my life. Am I crazy? No. No, absolutely not, man. At the end of the day, we, we, we want the fighters go out there and, and lay it on the line. And, and especially when you see a pretty girl go out there and just do what she did, it, it kind of excites you because you it, it, may, it lets you really know the heart that's inside of it. When you see a girl, who, who, when you see a pretty girl, you're like, man, you don't have to do this. But then you see her go out there and she does it like that. You're just like, wow, you are a straight savage. Straight savage because you don't have to do this, but yet you do it so dang well. She had good forward, Brando. She cut off that cage. She made Loretta have to work. Nobody cares, I know. But uh, shout out to Larkin Dash. Thank you very much. All right. You know, not everything worked for her, but me watching. I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack. But my dick works. My dick works. That is, that is true. That is definitely true. That's, 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 a great, that's a great clip, by the way. Yeah, thank you, DC, for that one. No <laughs> doubt. But, man, I love me. I love me some DC. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. I love, I love you too. Thank you. All right. Uh, yeah. Bellator in the books. Uh, some news happened this past week, guys. Let's get into it a little bit. All right. We got a few things bouncing around. Where we got Brando? Hit me up. Hit me on the low here. So we ended last week talking about what could be next at straw weight for Jessica Andrade after she beat Rose Namajunas. We bounced around Tatiana Suarez as a possibility. Michelle Waterson was a possibility. We didn't really kick around the other name in the women's strawweight division that nobody was really talking about before this announcement came out after we recorded. Uh, Wei Li Zong is apparently being booked as the next challenger for Jessica Andrade in a fight that will take place in her home country of China. Mm. How do you yeah. feel about that? Um, mm. I get it. Okay. I get it. I get what the look, this Chinese expansion is big for the UFC. And look, everybody in any business wants to expand in China. I mean, there's like a trillion people there. I get it. Bob Arum tried to bring top rank boxing there with Zhu Ming and failed miserably. UFC opening up the Performance Institute. 
Zong, 19 and 1, just beat Tisha Torres, just beat Jessica Aguilar, like 3 and 0 in the UFC. She's good. It's a little bit too early, though. In my favorite division, women's strawweight, which is deep and always brings it, it is a little bit too early to push her to this level. Andrade having just won the title. Some killers waiting around next in line. But I'll say this. I'm not mad at it. If you're going to go to China, this is the right person to do it with. Maybe I want her to prove it a little bit more before she gets there. But Rose certainly isn't ready. And Rose would be, I think, deserving. If you if you, if you were going to, if Rose wants a rematch, she's very deserving. Rose wants to take a little bit of time. I'm not mad at the matchmaking. But I do want to pause and say I don't think she's there yet. Am I wrong? Well, I was actually with um, Michelle when she found out about the whole thing. And I seen her like a little bit that day because she was in South Florida. Uh, and it was like right after we talked about it, the day we talked about it, I seen her that day. And then she was talking about uh, how upset she was that she didn't get that opportunity. And, um, you know, she thought for sure that, that she would get it. And, and speaking to her, you know, um, you know, she's like, you know, she she has she has one point one million followers. Michelle Waters. Yeah. One point one million followers. Um, you know, she's Asian. She's she's Chinese as well, too. She has Chinese in her blood. Um, so they, they, I mean, they wouldn't have went wrong if they chose her because they still appease into the, that demographic and she does have a strong following. But at the same time, um, you know, I can understand why, why, why they went with, with who they went with, but I, I do feel it, it's a bit too early because, um, it, it doesn't build up the care for the fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like. No one, you know, she she doesn't have a huge following, and and it's kind of like a a title fight where people are like, ah, oh, you know, oh well, you know, it, it's it's a people feel like it's of no consequence because there's no there's no feeling behind that fight. You know, you have a new champion, and then you have someone you know who's a relative unknown. You know, and, and even though she's been doing her thing in the UFC, she still doesn't have that that popularity yet that that she would think that someone uh, who's going to get a title shot should have. I think that's legit, and I think if you wanted to have done Andrade Waterson in China as your main event with Wiley Zhang maybe in a co-main to try to give her one more bout of seasoning, and then you're building toward a title shot if she does win, I think maybe we would have accepted that a little bit more. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I think that would have been a great idea. But Yeah. I mean, may, may, I mean, you never – I don't know. You, you At the end of the day, you never know because when, when, when you know the war room where they sit down and make the matchmaking, you never know what – what uh you know, what, what's the true reason behind why they do this. Well, this thing. seems transparent that the true reason was business. So no, uh, yeah, it, 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 I don't is, hate it. It is. It, no, absolutely, it is. It is. And, I mean, look, Zong's won – I mean, she lost her pro debut and she's won 19 straight. So uh, – it's not like, like, look, she's more deserving than Jessica I was at Flyweight. It just happened to be that that Flyweight division was a little bit empty. So that's, that's what it is, Brandon. You're going to have to deal with that, right? So, <laughs> so what do you book then? Do you think Tatiana against Michelle would make sense to you? It would. Because, like, Michelle needs a fight, right? I mean, I don't know what you would do now with the rest of the division now that you're giving somebody else a push who was probably, like, top five or six in the division. Like, do you give her Joanna as like a, a like, sorry, this is probably going to be enough for you, maybe, <laughs> you know, like right. we'll, we'll pay you enough to make this worth, worth your while kind of thing. Like, I, I just think this kind of clogs the division a little bit by giving somebody a chance like this. I agree with that. I, I certainly agree with that. And um, 
I don't think it's time for Tatiana. And I saw her quotes as well. She was actually kind of happy about this. She wasn't mad at all. She said, look, I need some time to rest my neck. I re-aggravated a neck injury in that in that recent victory she had over Nina Ansarov. So she's fine with that. I think she needs just a little bit more seasoning. But the idea of, of, of what you might do, um, do I hate the idea of Boogie Woman against Michelle Waterson? Boogie Woman is coming tomorrow! I'll be down for that, right? You? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. That'd be a great match. Just playing matchmaker for you right there. All right. Uh, what else we got, Brando? So they had the Khabib and Dustin press conference in London last week to start selling for 242 in Abu Dhabi. Khabib gave some interesting quotes where he was talking about what he wants coming up after this fight. And he said that there's only a couple of names left on his, his list that he wants before he's probably done. Those names, Tony Ferguson and George St. Pierre. Yes. He says also, Connor does not deserve a rematch. He tapped. Why would he get another shot? Mm. Didn't he say Dustin Poirier too? Yeah, well, yeah. He was saying after Dustin oh, Poirier, Poirier fight, it's Dustin, Tony Ferguson, GSP. That's his list. I watched. Well, ex- I mean, yeah, I watched the extended uh, Habib interview with ESPN that he did too. I, I tried to interrupt. I agree with him on the Connor thing. Connor needs not Connor needs to come back and win a fight before you're going to give him a title shot. This is the yeah, historically deep division. So on, on that part, I'm I'm right on board with him. Yeah, I, I totally agree too. I mean, listen, Connor is, is that guy. He puts uh, butts in his seat, but at the end of the day, you got to be fair because if you if you're not fair with the process, then 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 everything is lost. You know, then then the whole thing is not worth anything. So you have to be able to make sure that you follow somewhat of a consistent you know consistency when it comes to. Uh, when people get title shots or, mm-hmm. or, or having a title means nothing. No doubt. And and for him to come out and want that, and like I've been up and down the road on this ramp before, like, Hey, UFC, give GSP the Habib fight. If, if GSP can make 155, and I'm sure he's going to take his time to make sure he can and test There's it no out. There's no way that he can make one. <laughs> well, you know, Habib said he only, he's only interested in that fight. If, if GSP can make 155, do it. What has GSP done? Oh, he was Union, yes. I forgot about that, man. He was Union, yes. But if you're Dana, why would you not give GSP? I know, okay, he's going to hijack the title. He's going to win a title in a third weight class and then walk away and leave the title. <laughs> Probably. But, like, this is the guy, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, you would want to potentially say, we've got a group right now of, of potential goats, right? There's that upper room. It's We know who it is. Mm-hmm. It's Silva. It's Jones. It's DC. It's GSP. It's, you know, maybe Mighty Mouse. It, it's whoever you want. But Nobody in that group has, like, definitively said enough with what they've done that I am the guy. Personally, Jones is the GOAT. That's my take. But I don't think any in that group has definitively declared themselves as the GOAT. If somebody has that chance, it would be GSP winning a third title in a third division. And if a UFC, with the respect and the, the, the record that he's had personally inside and out the cage, wouldn't you want GSP to be that guy? I mean, I, I would say, I would say, yeah, on paper, it would be like GSP winning third title, but at the end of the day, like, like, if he's, he's getting put in opportunities to win these belts. Like, he's getting put into a title fight. He's getting put into a, you know, he, he, it's not like he's fighting his way to, to another middleweight title or a, you know, a, a, well, that uh, is fair. 155, you know, it was, yeah, and not, not to take anything away from that, but I mean, if you, if you're going to be in fairness on the conversation of, of a goat and, 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 and that, I don't think that that will make him the goat. I, I, I still, I still say John Jones got to be the goat. 
He does. But John Jones also isn't moving up. He's been state. He stays at 205. He also said recently that he doesn't really have interest in going to heavyweight right now. If it, if he was going to fight DC for a third time, he said he wants to do that at 205. Now that interests me right there because John. I mean, that lets me know that that he he respects DC more than than what he's saying. You know, and and that and that last fight, even though he knocked him out, I guarantee there there may have been something where he's just like, you know what. Um, I don't want to fight this guy again. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a okay. It's hard to say it's weak. It's hard to say me calling somebody weak. I think that's a little weak of John Jones, who's been saying for years he'll eventually move up to heavyweight to now drag his feet and say, yeah, if I fight DC a third time, it'll be at two hundred five. No, dude, you should say not only am I going to fight DC a third time and I already beat him twice, guys. I'm going to go up to his division and I'm going to seal my legacy. And that debate you guys just had in your podcast that nobody stood out as the un- in- indispu- undisputable GOAT, I'm that guy. I'm going to beat DC at heavyweight, and I'm going to hold two titles up, and there's no doubt I'm the GOAT. I got to call. I got to call him out there. You Come know what, on. BC? You know what, BC? You're right. I think if GSP does win it, he will be the GOAT because if Jones would have to go up and fight DC and get that belt in order to be, in order to beat that, I think. Just, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. Take that, take that, Johnny. Take that, all right? You're going to do what I want you to do, and that's just the bottom line. That and is. the sooner you come to realize it, the more comfortable you be with the results. Yeah, listen to that. Hey, you know? okay, all okay. Right? <laughs> all right. You're going to do what Rashad tells you to do, okay? Yes. All right. Um, Habib, though, uh, they going to move product with this pay-per-view? Do they care? Or is this all about Habib and Abu Dhabi and, and going to new lands and moving product? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's about going to Abu Dhabi and, and just you know seeing the shakes and uh, you know giving giving that part of the world you know um, giving a strong uh, uh, Muslim card. You know we have a lot of Muslim fighters and you know it it you know for them to be able to compete in in a Muslim country you know it has to be you know a great experience for them. So uh, I, I think I think that for me that that's my sentiment to to that to that card. You know. And that it's also giving Khabib like kind of a hey we're still cool right kind of card where he gets to fight near his homeland right, home. and his dad's actually going to be able to be in his corner for this fight and he hasn't been able to do that for his last few because they're all in the states and he can't get. A I like that here. part of it, yeah, yeah. He respects so. his dad. I like to see that the, that the dad will be in the corner finally, you know, because it was it was kind of BS before that. This is number one bullshit. Um, <laughs> true or false? Not commercially. Not commercially. Critically, true or false, the best fight you can make in all of mixed martial arts critically is Habib, Tony Ferguson, four. True. Or five, or wherever we are in the. In the, in the <laughs> is it five? It's five. I think it's five. It, this five. will be the fifth time that they try to book it if we get to that point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the best pound for pound fight I think you can make. They have to make that fight. They have to make it. Like, don't let, don't put Tony in another position to fight again. They were talking about the, that Justin Gaethje wanted, wanted to go fight him and no. said he said tony take me to that dark place it's like all right i would love to see that fight but i don't want is that, to... is that what justin said yeah he oh, twas, he tweeted that God. out i don't want to see that fight and that ruin dustin and could or uh tony and could yeah. before we get there Do you know this is the same argument I, I made before uh tony came back and fought anthony pettis last summer or last fall yep. i was like <laughs> you have the law you know you have this insane win streak the only reason you didn't fight for a title was bad luck habib pulling out and then you getting that knee injury at the fox studio don't do anything to risk it i'm saying that again right now dare tony dear ufc 
Do not do anything to risk it. This man's 35. He's done everything. He lives in the deep waters. He's a savage. He may be a savage in his personal life. That's for you to declare. Give him the damn title shot already. <laughs> if I hear one more time, Dana suggests we might do a cowboy rematch. Get the F out of here. Thank you. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Uh, hey, I wanted to say one thing. This rumor has been around for a while, but Mike Coppinger of The Athletic just brought it back up again in a Q&A he did the other day. The idea, guys, that Endeavor, the UFC owner, is looking into the option of buying the PBC, the Premier Boxing Champions. Uh, not a league, but kind of a league that Al Heyman runs in boxing, has TV contracts, of course, with Fox and Showtime. Coppinger reporting that Ari Emanuel and Endeavor has had multiple meetings with Al Heyman. And the idea, I think, because you hear Dana talk about Zufa boxing a lot and saying he'll have a big announcement at the end of this summer, Dana White, like, ran the PBC as the face of to get people fired up. That'd be weird, but that'd be incredible for boxing fans. That'd be, that'd fire me the heck up. The guy can sell. Yeah, I, I, t- I totally agree, man. If he, uh, if Dana White got on board with boxing, I think it would completely change boxing just because of the fact that, you know, when, when you're talking about a promoter, I think that there's no promoter like Dana White. You know, he, he's he's really uh, in a league of his own when, when it comes to promoting and being able to sell an idea. You know what I'm saying? He, he can sell an idea. And uh, if he touches it, it's going to be a home run. If he, if he gets PBC boxing, you're going to see boxing get a facelift overnight. The only problem is I don't think he would – would he have any control over matchmaking? Well, the, no. Here's the thing. I think the, the rumors were that Heyman would stay on, but but Dana has been saying forever since Maymac that him and Heyman yeah. get together great. The, I think the three major questions are this when you look at it. One, can you make the, the best fight the best all the time like Dana had that control in UFC? Can you do that in PBC with Heyman still on board? Two, what about fighter pay? Heyman's sort of legacy is sort of being this Robin Hood and reinverting the pyramid and giving the promoters less control over the money and the fighters more control, which is how Floyd Mayweather in part built his giant, you know, legacy in business. And, and so that's, you know, how are you going to do that with the, with the issues with UFC fighter pay and in three, ultimately, uh, how are you going to do this in a boxing world where there's a bunch of pirates and there's no organization. And I know I would like to see though, one person try to make a real league in boxing and say, we're putting a fence around our league. We're going to have our own titles. You're either with us or you're against us. I would like to see if one league can sort of become so popular that they become the major leagues. They become the UFC. The space UFC owns in MMA. Could a boxing promotion own that same space and become the number one promotion where everybody's coming to them? Uh, good. If you're going to pick one guy to have that shot, I think it's Dana. That's the face of it. So it'd be interesting. Um, it gets me fired up. As a longtime hardened boxing fan, it gets me fired the heck up. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You said it so well. I, I had nothing to say after that. I'm what do you got, speechless. Brandon? What do you got? Anything else? The only other thing, just because it has a somewhat of a tie-in to, to Rashad here, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Leon Edwards is going to headline UFC Fight Night in San Antonio. There was talks of making a Valentina Shevchenko-Liz Carmouche main event for that card, as well as moving our boy Luke Rockhold and John Blachowicz to that card. But Luke Rockhold could not make the date. Because he had a Ralph Lauren commercial to shoot. Ooh, ah, of so, course he did. Live your so life, on Luke. Brand. I love that. So on brand. You're damn right. Former millionaire <laughs> right. matchmaker star, Luke Rockhold. Yes. yes. Oh my God. Luke, Luke is a trip, man. That's oh, funny. Yeah. He, he's a pretty boy for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Bellator re-signing Fedor. That's, that surprised me. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. 
Like, why is he doing this? Does he just need the money and he just needs something to do? That Coker's saying it's going to be a retirement tour. What Wasn't it just a retirement tour? I thought that's what we just had. <laughs> All right, Coker's whole hook here is that the, he thinks there's more matchups that fans are going to really want to see. When you look at that Bellator roster quickly, what's the matchup we haven't seen that, that would make you pop? Well, we wanted Fedor. We yeah, wanted oh. we wanted Mirko Krokop, but Krokop had like an yeah. aneurysm or something, yeah. and now he can't fight <laughs> anymore. Not go back in the cage, Krokop. Uh, do would you care about Fat Rampage against uh, Fedor? I mean, I guess that would I'd, be. A, yeah, I, I think that'd be a good one. That'd be a little sloppy. I, think, I mean, yeah, I, I think that'd be a good know. one. Now. I will fit ass. All right, we'll see. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see on that. Um, anything, Brando? You got anything on there? I I, don't, I can't be moved by like a Czech Congo Fedor match. So don't give me that. All right. No, there's not. I don't know that there's a lot of washed like heavyweight names in Bellator. All right, what about like, something crazy like Musasi? Oh my Fedor. God, no. no, no. Okay, okay. I'm, no. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make. The, oh, Frank Mir Fedor. Didn't we do that already? Oh, you're right. Fedor stopped him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I I could get up for that rematch. I guess <laughs> I don't know. And it's it's washy right now. Rashad Rashad yeah. Evans Fedor. I mean, come on. I can get creative here if I have. To, right? <laughs> All right. That's it. Uh, hey, the money's right. The money's yes, right. The money's right. Oh, yeah, hey. Before we get actually, it's weekend preview time. It's weekend preview time right now. But before we do that, we got we got a hell of an interview that we that we threw to off the top. We teased off the top. It's USC 239's own. The realest man in all of MMA. It's Jorge Masvidal, live from the ATT gym. A couple weeks back, we sat down with him. Coming your way right now. Yes. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. I get fired up when I can talk to somebody who I can proclaim the best talker in all of MMA. I said that before, and I believe that it's Jorge Masvidal. He's game-bred. And tell me if I'm wrong here, bro. The realest in the fight game. That's what they're calling me, man. That's what they say. I don't know. You know. I asked Leon Edwards. He said, "Yeah, you're the real." Right. <laughs> he should know. He knows firsthand how real looking. You are fresh off a. It looked like a killer workout over there. It looks yeah, like man, it you kill little, yourself little, to get tired. Yeah. All right, all right. You do this thing with training camp. You uh, we do it routinely, but you, you got to push a little bit more than I did yesterday. A little bit more than I did my last training camp to get in shape to get your your mind, your body, your soul where it needs to be at. And that's like these little choices day in and day out to make this practice happen. I went to sleep early yesterday. I woke up early today. I had a decent breakfast. I showed up here on time. I yeah. warmed up. I stretched out and then boom, you know, and then the next session will be the same thing. But to get to the practice, first you got to do all like all these little, little decisions and then give it all you got in practice and win or lose. You just, you got better. You know, even if I had a shit practice today, I know I got better, you know, when you get to this level and, and you get to the championship level and the elite level and it's like so close what separates you guys. How powerful is the mental game and the mental training and all that? Oh, it's all mental. It's all mental because we're both, we both got to run the same toolkit. You know, we both got to run the same physicalities. It's who wants it more, you know, who got hit in the fucking nose and, you know, winked at the dude and said, okay, you know, and then I hit you in the liver and you said, oh, I'm I can't take it. <laughs> and the fight's over, you know, that happens a lot. You see it a lot with, uh, with guys going into the third, fourth and fifth round. Who's the bigger dog, you know, because we're both tired, we're both hurt. Who really wants us a little bit more than the other guy? And that's what it comes down to almost always. When I talked to you before the Darren Till fight, you were just so happy to be back here. Like, you were just so out of here. You weren't here practicing every day around your teammates, around your training partners. What's different now getting ready for this Ben Askren fight versus when you were just kind of happy to be back again going into that Darren Till fight? Well, the Darren Till fight, like you said, um, I was just happy to be in the gym. I hadn't competed in a year. And a couple uh, things that happened in life kept me away from the gym, you know. 
Uh, I was in that reality show, and also I just had some injuries, so I wasn't in here like I usually am mm-hmm. today, which I'm usually averaging three to four days a week here, and uh, and I love it. I miss my teammates. I miss beating people up. I miss getting beat up, you know? <laughs> I miss all of it, you know? So I love it. I love to be in here, getting the shape. And uh, the big difference right now would be that I'm coming into the, the, the Ben Askren fight in pretty good shape. The Till fight, I was in good overall shape. I could swim. I could run. I could lift weights. But I wasn't in fighting shape, in, in great shape, uh, how I usually am. And um, I feel great right now, man. I just want to take Ben's head off. When you were away for a year, uh, is that necessary to refresh yourself? Because this game, when you take fights so many in a short period of time, I, I would assume you you live and die in camp. It's like every day you're preparing for war. Or helping somebody get ready for war, you know? When you step away from that, is I'm sure you get the itch to come back, but did you find that it reinvented you to a certain degree? Oh, for sure. I mean, I was competing three to four times a year for a while, keeping that same pace, and uh I had injuries, you know, but due to money issues and stuff, I couldn't take no time off. Also, I was in the hot seat when I beat Cowboy. I couldn't take no time off, you know, so I just uh, had to keep getting better and just pushing through the injuries. Um, so when I had the, the Thompson loss, I said, man, I got, I'm just going to heal up a little bit, you know. And it's paid off. It's made me a little bit more athletic, having faith in certain things in my body that weren't working as well. <laughs> so I'm glad. The, the, the year off wasn't exactly planned. Mm-hmm. I was planning on taking like four, five, six months off tops, but it worked out better that I took a year off. You know? You're at an age as a fighter where physically you're probably as like quick and explosive as you'll ever be, but the men- it seems like the mental game catches up, the experience and yeah. all that. Are you-, are you feeling like it's night and day for you at this age compared to you at 27, 28 in terms of your knowledge coming into these oh, fights? Oh, in terms of knowledge, yeah. You know, the, the thing with MMA in the future won't be like this, but as of right now, we learn on the spot. You know, we learn on the job. You got, you know, no amateur background and you got the pros and that's where you're learning. These mistakes that you make in the pros stay with you for life because that goes in your record. As the amateurs get better and they start to have 20, 25 fights, you want to see guys that are 17 and 0 but are legit 17 and 0. Now that they fought 16 cans, they're going to be legit guys that are that are out there doing it big, you know, similar to boxing, how they have an extensive amateur career and then their pro career will be barely any blemishes. That'll be the future, but as of right now, at least me growing up, you had to learn on the job. So, you know, a lot of losses, a lot of ups and downs, but I'm better than ever right now. When you I, say I no, I am myself uh, two years ago. Yeah, you look different in this tilt fight just yeah. from the focus, man. I, yeah. I feel like it was a different man in there. You said no amateur program, but you had an amateur program in the streets, brother. I did. I did. I had a couple. I got lucky, man. <laughs> Um, I got to toss it up in the streets a bunch of times. I actually have a bunch of street fights. The the ones with Kimbo, they only recorded two, but like that. I got a good amount of them, man. Those scary? Because you don't know who who's coming. You don't know who you're going up against, it, right? It's scary. That, that's not scary. What's scary is if his friend gets upset and pulls out a gun or something. Mm. That's scary. And then you got a 50-yard dash away out of there, you know? But uh, that's the only scary part. If it's just another guy, it's another guy, you know? F*** it, you know? I love it. I love yeah. this guy. This guy's the best right now. All right. As long as you don't pull a knife out, you know, you're good. Uh, your brand's on fire right now, all right? It's three-piece in a, in a soda. soda. I mean, it's everywhere. We saw Derek Lewis's brand go on fire, and then he got that Popeye sponsorship. What's what's going on with uh, with George right now? I don't know, man. I wouldn't mind any type of sponsorship, man. Anything. Uh, by the way, you get to share that game, but official, there's a lot of uh, pirateering going on out there. Yeah, we, we can't that? deal with that. We can't yeah, deal with that. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, websites selling my shirts, man. I'm like, I can't even get a penny off this. That's crazy. Fighting's hard to get money. Selling t-shirts is even harder to get money, man. I'm competing against like four people that ain't me. We're sending the cease and desist letters. So if it's not from Gamebird Official, don't buy it, please, man. All right, all right. 
when you uh, look at this division, man, a couple years ago, I would say this division wasn't going initially onwards and upwards. Now it seems like it's loaded and hot. And man, we just had Kevin Lee and RDA. I thought, I thought Kevin Lee was going to be the business in this division. And, and, and old ass RDA was like, I'm not that old brother. So just take yeah. that back. All right. What was your thoughts on that play? I was, man, I was betting on RDA hard. You know, I don't think Kevin Lee has a great gas tank. That's what and, you said, bro. Yeah. He doesn't have the gas tank for, for those rounds, I think. And, uh, and at 70, he, he literally, not to diss on RDA, but RDA is the smallest 70 pounder. And then somewhere along the line comes to me because I'm not a huge 70 pounder either. But RDA is definitely the seven is, uh, the smallest 70 pounder that we have in the top 10. And, uh, Kevin couldn't handle that. You know, he won't be able to handle the big boots. He might be quick and stuff, but the next level guy of, of size up is going to give him a trouble for his style. You know, he's not going to be able to uh, do that. I think. It's going to be bad for him at 7. I think 55 is probably better fitting for him. All right. When you uh, look at the idea of facing Ben Askren here, and this is high profile, it's on the biggest card of the year, uh, but he's still kind of an enigma to, to critics and fans because we've only seen him once in the UFC, and you could either argue that he showed a lot of toughness and adjusted, or you can argue he got his ass kicked. It's really up to you, depending on watching that fight. Oh, no. He definitely um, got his ass kicked and, and found a way to get himself in a good spot. Now, I, the referee, I, not to blame him, but it just didn't play out the way it should have. Either Robbie should have gone to sleep or you can let it continue, but right. that didn't happen, you know. And, and then, of course, he says I loosened up the grip when the referee got closer. I've never done that in a fight. I don't stop throwing punches until the referee grabs me. So, yeah, you know, it speaks to his amateurism, you know. Well, when you watch that fight, did you do you think less of Ben Askren now in terms of beatability? Do you think more? Where are you sort of at on what you thought coming in, having watched him in other territories? Uh, man, I don't know, man. I just want to him up. I don't really think anything of him, man. <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch his wrestling match with Jordan Burroughs? Yeah, I saw that. I'm a big Burroughs fan. You know, I mean, Burroughs could do that to anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm just so glad he did it to Ben. <laughs> Then he's a punk, man. Who who cops for a way out? He said, hey, take it easy. I mean, I haven't wrestled in a while. You're a bitch, man. I mean, I've right, why did you a, sign up? Why did you sign up? I've always thought he's a bitch, but he just confirmed it for me and the rest of the world when he said that, you know? Not that Burroughs wouldn't do that to me, you know, because Burroughs is a stud. But I'm not going to ask him to take to take the slow on me. I don't give a fuck. We're going to go at it. You know, I'm going to give you everything I got. You know? All right, you're a master of the mental game, but Askren's a master trash talker, pressing buttons, getting people uh, off. Has he said anything? Talking. Has he said anything that you're like, oh, this guy, this mf yeah. man, I'm coming for him. Man, for starters, I, I'm barely on the social media, so every once in a while my manager, somebody shoot me a message, Ben said this. Half the time I don't even respond because it's just like a multitude of corny shit, you know, and Man, he's not my chick. I'm not going to go back and forth with this guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be texting with him. I have problems texting my chick back and forth. I'm going to do it with a dude now. Yeah. On social media, that's that's uh, below my pay grade. You know, they don't pay me enough in this f-ing sport that, to be bickering with this guy. So every once in a while, I just drop a bomb on him and that's it, you know? I think he said something about my manhood because I was wearing a hat or something. And then oh, there's yeah. a picture From of him the, with uh, the f-ing When you went to the Fort Lauderdale car because you were wearing the sailor hat. Yeah, the captain's hat, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just thought it was funny that he would say that. He's in a f-ing thong with the bell <laughs> with his little princess <laughs> face <laughs> looking like a bitch, you know? And uh, what the f- is that about? You can't, you can't throw stones from a glass house, but this guy doesn't even respect it. Like, you shouldn't even... Don't question my manhood, first of all, ever. And second of all, especially you, because you're you, you know, you're a beta. You know, you survived off I don't know what, man. But I'm going to make sure his bloodline doesn't 
reproducing nothing after July. Oh 6th. my God, that guy, that just fired me up. You heard that? Wow, wow, yeah. Extinction of the aspirins, bro, in massive <laughs> level. Bro. All right, talk to me about Usman's victory over Woodley. Is is Marty, as Ben would call him, Kamaru? Is uh, is this a new era? I mean, what, were you impressed? Um, man, Woodley's a stud. I think. He's been one of the better champions that we've had, you know. The way he took out Robin, Robin was cleaning house. And then he defended the belt, beat some great guys, you know. He had some fights that people criticized him for, that he wasn't that entertaining. But, man, he won and got the job done against good guys, you know. So not every fight could be an action-packed fight, so the fans don't understand. And I thought he was a great champion. And Marty beat him soundly, you know. So, or Kamaru, I don't know what they call him. Um, They were changing his name. What is Kamardi? Kamaru. Kamardi would be a nice Kamaru. combo right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Is uh, Marty his birth name? Or no, Kamaru is his birth name. Kamaru is his birth name, but it was he went, when he went to college, the coach couldn't pronounce his name, uh-huh. so he called him Marty. Oh, nice. Okay. They tried to Americanize yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. You know? Kamaru, Marty, yeah. It's <laughs> super, super close. But hey, he looked good. I mean, uh, Kamaru's always had a decent gas tank, you know, his wrestling. Uh, his hands are getting there where he could just get guys to raise his hands and then blow through him with his double. Like, definitely somebody I want to compete against. Uh, I, I want to fight everybody in this division that's worth fighting for. Once you're a top five guy and up, I want to fight you, you know? Those guys outside of the top ten that just talk a lot, whatever, man. But yeah. those guys in the top ten, top five, that, that makes my blood boil. I want to I love you know? when this guy's blood boils. I love this stuff right here. Uh, are you still evolving? Are you still growing? I mean, is this... In size, yeah, definitely, man. I've been putting up size and even, I think, we're like half an inch. You know, really? Since the last training camp to this one. Yeah, man. Just full gamma rays blasting through me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Um, how are we going to take the Game Bread brand to the next level? Because you got a lot of attention from the way that you beat Till and then certainly the post-fight melee there with Edwards. A lot of people that were casual fans that didn't know you know you now. What's next, man? Just execute, man. Just go and give it my all. Just have fun in this journey. I mean, when you're walking the the streets, are people rolling down their windows and yelling at you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotten crazy in Miami. It's a huge uh, thing. Mixed in with the reality show that I got out, the Latin community is really behind me on that because they got to see me on national TV. On the biggest uh, network for Latin people, mm-hmm. it was the number one show for about 13 weeks. <laughs> as long as I was there, 12 weeks, something crazy like that. It was the number one show. Season two didn't do that well. Some are giving me all the credit. I'm like, guys, <laughs> it's cool, man. Um, but, yeah, the Latin community, definitely. So now in Miami, it's hard. I Back then, I barely used to go out, but now I never go out. It's crazy. Even just yeah. to get some coffee or something. You don't want trouble in Miami. Yeah. That's why Conor McGregor got to step on that cell phone. Right? <laughs> you know, you don't... Now, when on that reality, sometimes people try to push buttons of oh, fighters yeah. on reality shows. Like CM Punk was on that MTV crap, and they tried yeah. they some dude like swore him out and yeah. tried to get him to throw. Anything happen on this reality show? I don't speak um, Spanish. I don't know if I can watch this, but yeah, um, yeah, I had a couple incidents. Uh, there's a couple incidents action. Well, I'm, I'm allergic to shrimp, and everybody gets uh, shrimp except the two people that are allergic to it, which is me and another mm-hmm. dude, Olympic gymnast, and we got steak, you know. And I'm not going to lie, they hooked up the steak. They said, oh, these guys can't give shrimp. Maybe we give them a little bit more steak. And the food is very, the, the, the show high was is you're fighting for basic necessities. So sometimes all you got for a very long time was just rice, beans, and broccoli. And that was your dinner. And your breakfast was like two hard-boiled eggs and a slice of cheese. Oh, wow. And for lunch, you had pineapple and Gatorade. And that was your schedule maybe for four or five days. 
So you had to win to get like a little bit of food, you know, which for me was like super cool. I'm like, oh, they're paying me to cut weight. This is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and one day I get the steak and a couple of my teammates here and they go, man, if we got like six ounces of shrimp, they got like nine ounces of steak, you know, and I'm, I'm hearing them talking. I go, enjoy your shrimp. So we sit down at the table and before you sit down, you're looking at your, minute, your food for like 30 minutes because all these cameras got to get like each and every plate. They got to like zoom in on it, get detail and do that for every plate and set up the lighting and everything. So the food's been set on the table for like 30 minutes. You're like, I want to eat, bro. Finally, I get down to eating and my teammates start talking. Oh, it looks like you got more steak than we got shrimp. I said, yeah. I didn't serve it. You know? <laughs> so I'm eating my food and they're keeping on with the comments. And uh, one of the dudes on my team is like, Man, I would sure love to taste that steak. And my other friend that got the steak, he breaks and he goes, oh, you want to try my steak? And he goes, yeah. He goes, hey, George, you ain't giving nobody no steak. What's going on, man? I go, F no, I'm not giving nobody no steak. You guys could have just asked me, but all this talking, you know? Are these regular folk or are these like no, uh, Latin celebrities? Uh, no, nah, I guess celebrities, but uh, like uh, the guy that was asking me for steak is a silver medalist at the mile. He got in 2012. Oh, wow. Then this other chick that was trying to steal my steak is a boxer. Um, she's a two-time world champion, you know, so they're trying to bully me, yeah. man. It's all, just, it's, yeah. all it's, no, it's all athletes. It's all athletes. No, So you could have just asked me for the sake, and you could have got a piece, but you ain't taking it from me wow. under no circumstances. And that was one another time, um, this Mexican uh, gold medalist boxer, I forgot his name, uh, he's fighting with um, maybe Golden Boy Productions, and he was on the opposing team, Mexico's uh, national team, and I was in the USA national team. Mm -hmm. And we're doing one of these dual meets, and my teammate gets it to him, gets in it with him. Now, my teammate, one of my teammates, was the only guy on the team that was not an athlete. He was an actor, but he was super duper famous. So they just brought him on board. Pretty athletic guy. And him and the boxer were about to go at it, and it ended up being a huge rumble because these people got involved. Oh wow! Yeah, it got it got really crazy. But none of these guys saw me because I'm such a ninja. I was just in the background, just <laughs> chilling. Nobody saw me. They were actually all worried, looking for me. Where's Master? Wow. I was just hidden. Just waiting for something to happen and start sniping people. Thank God for them. Nothing happened because they won't get sniped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's yeah. a crazy. No, and I'm talking about like 15 of them, 15 of us, and my teammates are looking. Where's Master? I hear him talking. Where is he? I was already behind everybody. She's gonna come through the back, just dropping <laughs> <laughs> people like bad habits, man. Oh, well, there's a guy entering, re-entering your division named Nate Diaz. He's gonna finally come back. Oh, He's gonna fight. Is Pettis. it official? It's official, Anthony nice. Pettis. Uh, you, you down with this? You like this? You want? Would I, you Would you take that cash and fight a what Diaz brother? Of course, I'll fight any. I, I signed up to fight Nick, and the fight didn't happen. So right now, I'm not really like uh, like trying to fight any of the Diaz guys. You know, I want to fight rank guys. I want to get to the belt. You know, and if it's meant for me and them to fight, it'll happen. You know, I know the fans want it. You know, and actually, me and Pettis got a grappling match. That's what I was going to ask you about. What yeah. What's the mindset here? Take it for fun. What's going on here? A couple of things. Um. I think Pettis is a stud grappler, you know, especially when it counts. He, he's got two uh, big submissions that come to mind. I know, I know he has more, but he's got one over Ben Henderson, which is a stud grappler, I think, and uh, and Gilbert, you know, two tough guys to submit. He submitted them both. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Pettis is no slouch with the grappling. And it's for charity at the end of the day, you know. I'm getting right. a little fee. It's not like I'm not getting paid. They're giving me a little traveling fee take care of me. Most of the proceeds, they told me, are going to charity. And I get to compete and grapple, which I love to just compete so let's do it you know yeah and maybe you can plant a seed in Pettis' head I'll, I'll see you I, might, I may see you yeah no, but I think Pettis is going to stick 255 correct am I wrong or? 
Well, he's he's fighting Nate at one seventy. Yeah, because yeah, they, they don't want to cut weight and stuff. But they're both fifty five. You know, I'm sure they just don't want to do that. That yeah. Well, he's out. also coming high off of that Stephen Thompson win too, yeah, yeah, where yeah. he beat him at one seventy. Yeah, yeah, so I think impressive. he's he wants to see how long he can stay up there. Yeah. Well, this is good because he's not really like fighting a, a seventy pounder. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm not a fifty five pounder. Fight. Not a lot you know? of pop. Yeah, yeah. He's fighting a guy his his same attributes and as far as like weight goes, he's not fighting like a like a Darren Till or. Kamar Usman or right. Woodley, bigger guys, you know? And uh, Jorge, you're a king trash talker. When you hear, like, Deontay Wilder, the heavyweight champion, got into fire last week, a little, little uh, trouble with the headlines when he told Dominic Brazil. I don't know if you watched this fight on Saturday. No, I saw the highlights of the fight, but I didn't see anything. All right, I almost saw a man die in the ring. It was insane. Um, Wilder was like, you know, boxing's the only sport where you get paid to potentially kill a man. He's like, I want a body on my record. If he dies, he dies. Now, I thought he was doing it for marketing, but people were like, man, this is outside of the realm of sport. This is not tasteful. We've seen men die in this ring before. You down with a guy hyping himself up, saying uh, stuff like that? Nah, man. Nah, me, personally, I don't want to kill nobody. I want to just f*** dudes up. You know? I want to, like, maybe if, if I don't like you, like Ben Askren, for example, I'm going to make him piss blood for a month because I'm going to f*** his kidneys up. I, I want to destroy his legs so he can't walk. And every time he walks, he thinks, all, oh yeah! <laughs> no, I want to break his ribs. He, he's never going to give birth again after you said you're going to cut off his bloodline. So this, it, yeah, man. I see it. Those privileges are done for him, you know. But I don't want to take a man's life. You know? Yeah, that, I, it's uh, it's yeah. weird, man. I can get Tyson said crazier stuff than that, man. He wanted to eat people's kids, but yeah, uh, it's, it's all it's all hyping stuff up in the but, end. But I don't like where it goes though because you, you see, uh, me and you are intelligent enough to be like, oh, that's just buffoon talk. But um, like the kids coming up. They hear that and they go, oh, well, he wants to kill a man. I got to do him. I, I want to kill a village. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and, and that's what guys like Ben bring to the sport because people just see him. Like you said, he's a fucking mastermind with the fingers, and that's all he's doing. He's talking, but he's yet to get, I think, a win in the UFC. And what just, happened to the old days? We used to fight, cash checks, slide into chicks DMs, and that was it, right? That's it, man. What more could you want? After that's that's that, life you know? right there. This guy, Jorge Masvidal, great interview, great chatting with you. I feel Thank like you, we're ready man. to go out and brawl out and, uh, and take down the Miami nightlife together, that's but soon, uh, right? stay in camp, stay focused. Do you have no, a you message? you invited me out. I can't back out on this now. Yeah, on this guy, not me. We're going off for wings here. I mean, I don't think that's part of the diet, though, but do you have a message for Ben Askren that we can relay to him through these airwaves? Game over. It's just game. It's just game over for this little punk, man. I don't like this dude, man. One bit. If I had interactions with him before in the gym, I thought he was a, he's a punk. You know, the way he comes at people to like talk to you and stuff. Just instead of a hey, how you doing? You know, he's just like a weirdo. He can't even do that. You know. I just want to him out, man. I get paid. It's crazy because I'm sure there's someone at work you don't like or you don't like. You know. Oh yeah, you don't sure. Gotta, you don't have to say nothing, man. He's thinking about it. I can see it right now. <laughs> there's somebody who's just like. I could get in the cage with soul, so I'd almost do it for free. You know, I wouldn't do it for free, but man, it feels good to get paid to beat up this guy, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of beating up, and this is how we're going to close here, we do like each other, but we've got a sparring match before the end of 2019. We do this MMA podcast together for control of the podcast, all right? Nice. But he's 6'5". He's got 14 years of age on me. He's in the best shape of his life. He's kind of jacked. I'm 40. I'm washed. I just got a prostate exam the other day. Do, do not, do not. Jorge Masvidal, do Don't not do get a prostate check. Nah. Turn it down, bro. <laughs> on the bucket list, yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is I got to get in shape quick. He's training, though. What are you? I haven't been training, but it's about to start. I'm, I'm doing boxing classes. 
I may need some some dirty tips, some dirty boxing. I, I mean, well, whichever one of you wants to win, just come in here where you got access to. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I'm, he's gonna he's gonna teach you how to throw an elbow at me or something. He's gonna he's gonna teach you. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll get game bread in my wings. corner. Maybe those chicken wings are good, and I'll show you some. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't count out the old lion here, right? Don't nah, count them no, out. No, no. right? I'm the old lion, so I, how could I count out the exactly. old lion? Exactly. Take that, watch. Take that. All right, bro? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Jorge. It's been a pleasure, sir. And we're back. Wow. Wow, B-Wise. Wow. I call him the realist. True or false? He is the realist. I. There are no debates about this. If I ever saw Jorge Masvidal on the street, I am looking away from him because I don't want him to think I'm making any sort of line at him that he's going to come and punch me in the face. Well, that's but the you thing. Know what, yeah, go ahead, Rashad. That, I mean, that, that's how Jorge is, man. When I first met him, I met him with uh, Alexis Bila, my uh, old wrestling coach at Michigan State. And they came out to uh, Greg Jackson's training camp. And, uh, you know, he, he was one of those dudes back then who was just not not taking it. And, and I'm glad to see he still has that mentality. You know, he's not... He's, he's not one to play with. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, not you know at what? all. But you know what? He, he's he's expressing it. You know what I'm saying? He's not playing the game anymore where he's trying to be this. He's just like, he's done playing the game that, yo, I'm just going to be real. Real indeed. Um, Brandon and I were talking about this after the interview. And Rashad, from this side of the table, we interview fighters all the time. We're respectful. But sometimes we have to ask those questions that tease the line, right? You know, this is what your critics say about you. How are you going to defend this? And, you know, I've pissed off a fighter now and then. Masvidal's one of those rare guys that while I'm complimenting him, he makes these faces that make me think I may cross the line. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he may turn the, he may, if you don't, he may turn the station off in the middle of the interview. He kind of gives me that, that old Mike Tyson feel right there. I mean, what was it? What was that famous, uh, Tyson line? You know what I'm talking about, Wise, right? Did he snuff Leon? Uh, you have a problem? Turn off your station. There it is. There it is. Thank you. Did he snuff Leon Edwards backstage one time? That, that, that yeah, was, that was yeah. a couple. That was a couple months ago yeah. after he beat Darren Till, <laughs> and Leon Edwards was talking that game to him, and he walked up to him with his hands behind his back to say, "Like I'm not here to fight you. We're we're here to talk." And then he said, "Leon Edwards allegedly." Leon Edwards put his hands up, so we had to give him three pieces with the soda. There it is. Soda. There it Dang. Is. Um, I gotta say this. This Asker bout, it's gonna be fire. I love the. I love the. Uh, you know, the tactical breakdown. I love the idea of somebody like Masvidal, who was so real in the interviews, trash talker, has that street toughness, him him climbing the ladder in a crowded division. I mean, he gets a win here. We could be talking title shot. This this fight's going to be fire. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, his, his stock is growing. But more importantly, what I like about him is that his his mindset uh, is is at top form. You know, the, the way he's thinking right now, to the fact that he's just got this this chip on his shoulder, you know what I'm saying? He's Henri. This dude, this dude is just in a bad mood, and, and he's got a bad attitude. And when you're in, in, you know, he's gonna go out there and he's gonna hit with bad intentions, you know. And it's gonna be interesting to see, uh, you know, how how Ben uh, responds when he gets caught with one of those big shots, man. Ben showed incredible resolve, obviously, against Robbie Lawler there to pull out that fight controversially. I love that they did not do a rematch, and I love that we are getting a loaded 2-3-9. Be wise, and I will be on the ground in Vegas. We know Rashad's going to be there because he's going in the Hall of Fame that Friday night. Fired up for that as well. Uh, let's get into this weekend, guys. Before we get into the real MMA, how much you care about this bare-knuckle BS in Tampa? Saturday night, BKFC is your promotion, bare-knuckle fighting championship. This is almost more MMA than it is boxing, but it's sort of in that gray area, that grungy gray area, if you will. 
and its former two-division boxing champion, Paulie the Magic Man, Malinaji, going up against the GOAT himself, Conor McGregor training partner, Artem Lobov. There's just a lot of trash talk. I mean, where did Paulie go as far as saying he's going to decapitate Artem and then pull his eyes out and then piss in the open orifice? It's something <laughs> weird, something off the reservation. Uh, wow, bros. Wow. Normally, Paulie plays this kind of sound. Athletes sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. Uh, they do. They sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. But uh, he's going into – Rashad, here's the deal, okay? You know what Paulie's up against here? Brittle hands, historically. Not a big puncher. 38-ish, been out of the boxing game for two years. I get that his hand game is, in theory, light years ahead from an average mixed martial artist in Artem Lobov, even though he's a tough son of a bitch. All right? I said I said bitch, okay? What I'm saying here, Rashad, is probably biting off not more than he can chew, but more than he would want to chew. Because in that BKFC cage, man, they're cutting up your face, bro. Yeah, let me say this. You know, boxing is is the basketball of combat sports. I mean, in fact, that they're not really trying to get. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to diss boxing, but at the end, it's it. The blows that the bare knuckle boxing and, and the 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 elbows. He's not used to that kind of that kind of hit. You know what I'm saying? When you get used to when you get used to getting hit with a glove. And you're you're used to a different kind of thud. You're used to a different kind of feeling when you get hit bone on bone, and 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 you feel that that's a different kind of hit altogether. When you get hit with an elbow, that that changes things. When you get hit with a knee or a kick or something like that, that feels different than getting hit with a glove. So I think that that initial shock of feeling that is going to surprise Paulie. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, you know, boxing overall, you know, can be more damaged, damaging cumulatively to the body, you know, because more deaths in boxing and everything like that, because it's only from the waist up you're punching. But when you're talking about that, that bone on bone hit, you, you can't compare that, you know, to, to what we feel in MMA. Yeah, no doubt. And, and in BKFC, just if anyone doesn't know, it's in what a circular ring. You can hold and clinch like MMA. You can dirty box. You can do that kind of stuff. I get what Paulie's saying. He's got a hand speed advantage. Even at this point in his career, he's got a technique advantage. But it's not like – it seems like the MMA guys seem to have a, an advantage of BKFC. I think that's why more ex-UFC guys – I mean, Chris Lieben's going to be on this card. You, you see more of that. But at the same time, too, it's a different kind of punching. It's a different kind of power. It's a different kind of everything. Bare Knuckle's a weird game from what I tell on the outside looking in. I don't know if Paulie's advantages automatically make him a gigantic favorite in this fight. He's minus 280, the odds makers, but uh, I'd just be a little leery. If you watched Artem Lobov against the, what's that dude's name? Jason Day, what's his nickname? Hick Diaz, right, right Brandon? Hick Diaz, bro. If you watched Diaz. him against Hick Diaz, man, that'll ruin your wedding photos. I mean, there's some, there, there's some, uh, that was like a crime scene. I don't know if Paulie wants that. Paulie's tough as balls. Miguel Cotto broke his face that time. I'm not talking about Paulie's toughness, but he's a glitzy and glamorous Showtime announcer. Why are you going down to the bayou here? To the to the gro to like the bottom of the food chain. Some people That's... tell me, BC, you got a family. Why do you eat out of a gas station? I tell you, because at Cumberland Farms, man, those hot—they're so good, man. They're, like those, you know, those those like rollers with the uh, sausage, egg, and cheese, and the inside, and they got. Yeah, oh it's my great. god! You know what I'm this about? is the guy who wants to, to, oh to spar god. with me. This is the guy. Who Brandon, who's going to Seven Elevens eating like this all the time? Brandon, what is this fight going to look like? <laughs> I don't know, man. This is so weird. Like, I, I was going to ask Rashad, how do you even imagine them training for this? Because 
you can't spar bare knuckle and not break a hand or like just get cut up and gashed to the point where you can't fight. Like, are you just sparring with MMA gloves? I assume. Nah, just, I mean, um, you, you spar with boxing gloves, and it just, I mean, and then just take them off. Just take, just take them off. That's that's about it. I mean, I I, I think the only difference would be is just the the volume of that thud. I mean, you just have to, you know get used to that thud the first couple punches but then after that then i think it's just pretty much uh you know you know pretty much standard feeling after you know uh after a few punches are thrown in any fight you know what i'm saying like and the ufc fight once you get hit with the first couple punches then after that all the other punches are like ah you know it doesn't really hurt as bad so i think it has to be the same thing with bare knuckle but I mean, then again, you have the cutting aspect of it being bare knuckle, and that adds in, you know, a, another element to to it on a mental side when you feel like your face is falling off, <laughs> or you get, you know, punched in the eye, and you feel like your eye is about to pop out of your head. Ugh. You know, it, it's it's crazy, man. It's um, you know, th- these guys, these guys who uh, who do this bare knuckle boxing is a special breed, man. Special really, breed. Really My yo, hope yo, would yo yo yo, yo, yo. Hey. relax. Oh, you relax, Paulie. All right. My hope would be that Paulie is smart enough to play this from the outside and not get caught up in dirty boxing and clinch and stuff and that he's able to just keep the distance with his jab. But I feel like Lobov just going to make this ugly well, as ugly as he can. Well, you also have to remember that Lobov seeing him go against Connor and he's taking he's got the notes. He's got the video. Hey, release, seeing, release the tape. Release yeah. The so, tape, bro. But, so they know what broke him. They know what broke him before. Yeah. So no doubt about it. They're working on the cardio aspect of it. And, and and um they're gonna push the cardio of of um of Paulie and bring him into deep waters, yeah. making him put down a lot more you know, a lot more work. Yeah, he may be the better striker technically speaking, but what about volume? You know what I'm saying? What is he gonna do when the guy's on his heels the whole time? Yeah, the best fighter doesn't always win, it seems, in BKFC. It seems like there's a distinct strategy. And if I'm Paulie, I'd be a little fearful that Lobov can take a punch. He's a tough dude. He was in a war with Jason Knight. I mean, like that that, that thing was wild. Um, I would be afraid that even if I'm winning big, that you get into those final rounds. I don't even know how many rounds there are in this fight. That starts to get a little hairy. starts to get a little gross. But uh, we'll see how it happens. Randall Bailey, the former welterweight boxing champion, also on that undercard at age 44. Uh, didn't know what... Brennan Ward pulled out, my dude from Bellator, right, Brennan? Yeah, but it's the, Chris Lieben still fighting on this card though, too. Mm. Yeah, he's fighting. Weird. I don't know who the guy is fighting though that uh, tr- that Ward pulled out, but it's gonna be weird, man. I, I feel like we there. need to watch this on a the... Russian stream somewhere. Yeah, your your computer will get an STD. There's no. You should be there. It'll be in Tampa, <laughs> like the fairgrounds. You should be there, Brandon. All right, you should document this. And I we don't. I don't we even want to know. We should go. We should go. <laughs> Road trip. What kind of crowd do you think is going to be at this fight? White trash. Uh, <laughs> Backyard yeah. wrestling crowd. Yes. Basically, yeah. yes. All right. We got to get off of this. We got to move out of here. Oh, uh, before we get into this preview, I, I didn't shout out my boy, uh, Sexyama, Yoshihiro Akiyama, one of my favorite MMA stars of all time, 43, ended his four-week absence, this the four-year absence four year. last week with one championship. And I don't know if you saw the highlights, but my dude dropped a three-round decision to a man who's 23, Agalon Tani, and this was a war. Akuyama got slammed a bunch early, but he kept coming back and uh, did a spinning back fist, got back in the fight. Check out those highlights at One Championship Legendary Quest at Shanghai, China over the weekend. Love me some sexy Yama. You want to talk about his war with Lieben? What, a UFC 116? The Brock uh, Carwin card? Yeah, man. That's what I'm talking about right there. 
So you're telling me that all of those one championship signings, except for Mighty Mouse, have lost. Yes, recently. it's been a bad run there. <laughs> uh, your boy Sage went down hard, and yeah, that, that boy's corny. I think that boy's corny. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's get into this weekend quickly. UFC Greenville, not a loaded card. Some fights were. When I hear UFC Greenville, I'm like, where's Stephen Thompson? Give me some Wonder Boy instead. It's a featherweight main event. It's Hainato Moicano against Korean Zombie Chan Sung Young. Uh, we're gonna see violence at least. What's at stake here? What do you got? I mean, I feel like this fight could be a eliminator of sorts in the featherweight division. Moicano coming off of that tough loss against Jose Aldo, where we thought he was going to be like one step away from a title shot if he would have beaten Jose Aldo at that point. But now he's coming back. He's going back to the drawing board. He's getting a tough dude in Korean Zombie who is coming off of his own crazy fight with Yair Rodriguez yes. last year in December in Denver. I mean, this is just, this should deliver nothing but fireworks, but it's one of those fights where just, I just hope that both, since both guys are coming off of tough losses, that they're not too tentative, where they're trying to like just protect themselves and not get caught up in another firestorm like they were just in. I hope that they both bring it all and they just throw everything they got at each other. Well, I definitely think the Korean zombie is going to go out there and and, um, lay it all out there. You know, there's something that happens sometimes when fighters fight opponents at the highest level you know at, at like a jose aldo you know one of those guys when you lose to a guy at the highest level it kind of knocks your confidence back a little bit and it can take a while to kind of get your wheels underneath you again to kind of get going again so um usually a hangover after a top top tier performance is expected after the uh after that fight so i would give um uh, the korean zombie the edge in this one it'd be interesting if that fight goes to the ground for long distances can moicano trap him in something Lot, lot to watch for in that one. Same thing in this co-main event. They're going to bang. Bantamweights, John Lineker, Rob Font. I want John Lineker to be a thing again. This division's back. It's loaded. It's deep. I love when guys like him are title contenders. How do you like his chances in this matchup against Rob Font? He's taking this fight on like two weeks notice because I don't, I don't remember who Font was supposed to be fighting, but he had a withdrawal with an injury. Lineker's coming off a tough loss against Corey Sandhagen down here in Fort Lauderdale in April. I think he has the style to win this kind of fight. And like you said, I need hands of stone to be a thing, man, because he's just so much fun. He doesn't back down from anybody. There was a time last year when he wanted to fight Zabit Magomed Sharapov at 145 because he just needed a fight. And Zabit replied to him and said that the UFC said he was too small (laughs) and that they couldn't make that fight happen. So I just need this this guy to be in big wars like that all the time. Well, I think the fact that he's... um going back to uh you know he's going back to that mentality you know what i'm saying taking a fight on two week notices is going back to that mentality like you know what i'm down for whatever and i'm going to put myself uh in the fire because i can I, i'm i can handle that you know and he's shown that he's he believes in himself once again and honestly speaking when it comes to uh that punching power inside the pocket you know i don't see many guys in the weight class that has that you know, he can let off a barrage of punches or let go of that shoe shine combination, those series of hooks that not a lot of guys can stand up after he gets done from delivering. So, you know, I really like him in this fight. Well, other people to watch, Violent Bob Ross on this undercard against Matt Wyman. Uh, my girl, Montana De La Rosa is back. I think she's a, a sleeper for a long-term women's flyweight title contender against Andrea Lee. That should be a good fight. And, uh, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, also, this weekend, we got a Bellator card from London. 
It's going to air simultaneously on Paramount Network and DAZN. It's Bellator London. That's what they're calling it. Headlined by a middleweight championship bout. Gegard Mousasi against Rafael Lovato Jr. Uh, it doesn't have the star power of last week's MSG card, but Lovato is 9-0. and Unbeaten, of course, in the promotion in five straight fights. Decent wins there. Musasi is Musasi here. What are we expecting? Anything? I hope Musasi wins just for his own well-being. Um, but I want to see something from Lovato. I, I have never really followed his career to this point, and I feel like they're just kind of giving him this shot because they don't really have anybody else for Musasi to fight. So I'd like to see Lovato show me something. You know, he needs... They need to get something going for Musasi if they really want to start building him into a, a star. Even though Musasi is the one who get, who said, I think, after the Rory fight, that he's not far from being retired himself. So, And he had said he wanted to fight in every weight class. He said he wanted to <laughs> take a light heavyweight title, maybe move up to heavyweight. So maybe a long-term Bader fight, short, short-term long-term Bader fight for him. That could be interesting. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. A Bader, a Bader fight at 205, yes. Yeah, not that's what I'm talking that's what I'm talking about. Uh, they're going to bang in this co-main when Eric Silva runs into Paul Daly. Uh, wow. I like Semtex in this, but I also like violence, so I'll be tuning into that. Yes. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see. James Gallagher James, back James on this Gallagher. card against Jeremiah Labiano. Melvin Manhoof coming on this card, so people will fall. Connor's boy Charlie Ward in that main card opener. That's it. That's the show this week. Special thanks to Jorge Masvidal for bringing it. Ghetto man, and he fights in a ghetto way. Yes, he does, Jim Brown. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, special thanks to Rashad Evans, the Hall of Famer, back with us two weeks thanks, in a row. guys. Bringing it, all right? Bringing it. That's what I'm talking about. Here to take souls. Because if I hurt him, I wasn't taking his neck. What were you going to take? His soul. Thank you. Thank you, Robbie. Um, you guys got anything to sell? Anything to, anything, anything happening for you this weekend, your personal life? Anything? Uh, no, nothing. Nothing going on. I'm not a salesman. You see, that's you. That's me. That's me. All right. Hey, check out our other offerings in the state of combat in boxing, in pro wrestling. For Rashad Evans, for B Wise, this is your boy BC. We out.